Hey guys, brand new podcast. Roseanne. What? Can you believe it? She's not on your podcast. No, she's not on my podcast. <sighs> God, I hope I... I wonder if that got me listeners or got me not listeners. Uh -oh. Fucking holy shit. Um, did you know that ABC's president of ABC is a black woman? No, I did not. Yep. Making... <clears throat> she's... I, I didn't understand who I was... There's a picture of her on here and I thought it was the woman... Roseanne was going after her name's Channing Dungy, mm -hmm. Tony Dungy's daughter. Mm -hmm. I don't know who Tony, Tony Dungy, Dungy is. was a coach of the Bucks and that would have only worked if you knew who Tony Dungy is, but it's a joke. Obviously it's not Tony Dungy's daughter. Okay. Okay. Starting off the, bomb, uh, the podcast. Why? With the bomb. Why is Tony Dungy not Nothing, black? No, no, he is black. He's just. It's not Tony Dungy's. Okay, daughter. so it's not a very good joke. No, it's a good joke. There was a funny. No, what it was was. It's a there, good joke on, for stop. only no, a certain demographic. It's not a very good there's joke. There's people in listening right now that went. Shut up! That's Tony Dungy's daughter. That was so below you, Bert. You could do better than that. <laughs> anyway, brand new podcast, everybody. <laughs> I'm sitting with my wife who ripped off the gas tank nozzle at a <laughs> station just out outside Lopine last night. Party on. <laughs> scared the shit out of it me. Scared the shit out of you and you were. It's going to have to try to be a bit. I'm going to try to work it in because there was something that happened with you that I couldn't really. You were. Wrong. But you. In the wrong. Initially, you knew you were wrong. Yeah. But you were not. You were like, oh, fuck, I'm the only one that can accept responsibility for this in your eyes. It was a really interesting look I've only seen. Like, normally in that situation, I was going to get blamed. Right. Well, I did blame you in my head. You did. I, okay, that's what I saw. A little bit. I saw you blaming me. Well, you know, what you said later was accurate. You said, I understand why you would think it was disconnected because I've been back and forth to the car several times. So that is what my head did. My head went, oh, he took it out because he's been back and forth. I, went, I, I came back to the car. It. I came back to the car after going inside and looking for uh, iced chocolate. Uh, well, I, I was looking at no, and Isla said, I need gum. I said, they don't have gum. She can't I, have you can't gum. have gum. She goes, I need uh, Tic Tacs. And so I went back in to get Tic Tacs and I came back out again with Tic Tacs. Yes. And I just assumed we were all wrapped up and, we're, and then I was I went just sitting back there in, waiting, but we were not wrapped up. I went back in and I went, I'm going to get beer and a cooler of ice. It was not a quick trip for a refill. Well, I was going back and forth. I'd and pretty then, much forgotten we gotten gas. And then by they the were like, uh, "Some idiot ripped off the nozzle again." Uh, and I went, "Who me. the fuck?" I go, "I'm so happy I'm going to get to see this." And then you are walking with the nozzle in your hand. Yeah. And you were looking at me, ready to blame me. And I and I saw it in your eyes. But you knew you were the but only one. To, but you I. didn't. But boy, did you. I thought, you, I thought he took it out. I mean, you did come back and forth. You to the car were upon. so ready to blame me. And I. it was such an interesting look in your eyes. And I knew from that moment, I wasn't mad at you. I thought it was kind of fucking crazy. And I was like, okay, we're going to be here a while. And I was like, I don't care about any of that. I was like, there's no gas going everywhere. No one's dying. Because that was what I thought happened when you ripped the nozzle out. Yeah. Apparently, it's magnetic. They just plug it right back in for 170 bucks. Right. But man, there's uh, an interesting look in your eyes. It was funny. Well, I mean, that RV guy behind me was, was pacing, pacing. And I was like, well, I better move. And I just assumed you had taken it out. That so I drove is. off without even looking because I never got out of the driver's seat. I, yeah. You pumped the gas. That is one of the gentlemanly things that you do. Should we also tell them about how <laughs> we, we tried to shove ourselves out of the gondola at the same time? 
time because I we took this gondola from the base all the way up to the summit of Mammoth, and Bert and I were both sitting closest to the door, and our kids and our friends, the Hayslips were in there, and then when the door opened, I just assumed since I'm the lady, like instinctively, the lady goes out first, <laughs> but apparently I assumed wrong, and Bert and I like pinball machine banged each other. We, <laughs> we almost got stuck in the door. Stuck in the door, trying to get out at the same time because I was trying not to fall. And then when we were going back in to go back down, you were elbowing me aside. To get in. <laughs> you literally elbowed me to get in first so you could get the seat you wanted. I thought, oh my God. So pumping gas is probably, it may be the only gentlemanly thing like that that you do. You don't, uh, yeah. you do and and it's very natural for me to get shit on. That's a big thing in our no, family. No, that's not being shit okay, on. Okay, when we got what to the top of the summit, when we do, got to the do? top of the summit, I saw a sign that said 1153. Oh. That's the altitude. <laughs> it says 11 in big letters and then the number 53, that's the name of the bar that you can go to. The 1153 bar means that your altitude's at 11,000 feet and 53. 1153, right. And I misread it as 711. Yeah. And I said, there's a 7-Eleven here. And Alexa woke up. Alexa, no shit. And so I got made fun of that. And that's why I, when, when you ripped the thing off, I was ready to be in trouble. But why would you ever be in trouble for something I did? Because it's part, it's a little bit, a little bit of the Leanne. Like when the other day when I said, hey, kids, what were we eating? I said, uh, kids, don't get... Uh, four pieces of steak. Allow there enough to be for everyone. You went, if they want four pieces of steak, they can get four pieces of steak. No, and I went, no, I went, no, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. Exactly. No, 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 no. What were you saying? Here's the way the entire night had been. Hey, Stephen, are you going to pull, pull uh, are you going to cut that? Are you moving that? Hey, Stephen, can you move that over? Hey, Eric, how about you put this over here? Hey, Sandy, why don't you move this over here and put it here? Hey, you scoop this out. Hey, you Listen, do this. Tom hey, was a little hey can aggressive. you give me some corn? How about you have some mac and cheese? How about you have some baked beans? How about you have, and I was like, let them make their own decision. You were telling everybody how to do like everything. And by the time you had told Stephen how to cook the meat, Eric, how to carve the meat, and it was so funny I almost took a picture of it because we were all playing Remy Cube the ladies were playing Remy Cube while you guys were cooking and I tried to take a picture and Stephen moved but Stephen was working on the meat uh, at the counter Eric was standing next to Stephen and you were standing almost between the two but behind them with both hands on your hips just telling them what to do it was hysterical and I told the ladies I said look at Bert look what's happening at the counter and they turned around and we all started laughing hysterically because you were standing behind them hands on your hips going yeah 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 yeah. just move it over to the side yeah yeah is that knife sharp enough you may want to sharpen that knife are you sure has it rested five minutes fully because I don't know if we can really carve it hey Stephen how about you carve it you're going to carve it that way that's how you're going to carve it So you had done that, and then you continued on telling everybody how to manage everything. So by the time you were telling the kids how to s- scoop mac and cheese, I was like, stop. Uh, it wasn't mac and cheese. I was just saying, stop. don't get too much. It's enough. We can, we can figure out how to scoop mac and cheese. Anyway, we had a fantastic <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, and that's why I'm releasing this podcast this week with Rob Riggle, because... <laughs> You're fucking such a jerk. I am not. I wish you. I wish Stephen had not moved. And this you is had why. Seen by this the way, picture. did you hear this? this you is should why, ask the camper women about that moment because this is we were why laughing. I was hysterical. getting ready to get yelled at when when <laughs> I was getting. I was, I was going to be in trouble for her ripping off the nozzle. 
Okay, hold the phone. This is the way a lot of things happen for you, Bertrude. Five minutes ago, I'm taking the garbage out. I'm pulling the garbage out of the garbage can. And Bert goes, don't take that out. I'm going to take it out. And I went, okay, no problem. (laughs) So I did something else. I come back. Garbage is still there. Go do something else. Come back. Garbage is still there. So then we're coming out to the man cave to record this. And I go, hey, I point to the garbage. You go, I know, I know, I've got the garbage. And I was like, but you clearly forgot the garbage. I definitely forgot the garbage. And I asked you 15 minutes ago to take it out and it's sitting in the floor of the kitchen and we have a 140 pound bull mastiff that will eat that garbage. I don't have your brain. I know, but then you get mad at me for reminding you for something that you forgot that you keep telling me you want to do to help me. And then you get mad because I don't ask you for help when when I ask you for help, you forget and you're not being mean. You just forget. Yes. And so then at the end of the day, the end result is I don't get help. So then I don't ask for help. So then I'm not disappointed. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know what this has to do with you ripping the nozzle out. (laughs) It has to do with you believing I get mad at you. But sometimes you get mad at me before I can get mad at you because you know you're wrong, like with the garbage. Oh, my God. Do you see what she just did? Austin, (laughs) do you hear this? She just flipped all of this. And now I'm in trouble again. I just... (laughs) For the fucking nozzle thing, she will not take responsibility for it, and she has to blame me somehow. I blame you. Ridiculous. And the nozzle was one hundred percent me, except for that part that you went back and forth. <laughs> You're such a piece of shit. This is the only way I survived my childhood by not taking full responsibility for things that were not my full responsibility. That's you not my full responsibility. Amazing. You were fucking amazing. Ninety percent my responsibility that I ripped the nozzle off. Ninety percent. The other day. Well, you had fifty percent of your feet were responsible for it. <laughs> no, because. But the, the first time you came back oh to the God. car to get money, you should have put the nozzle back on. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was. I saw the look in you your were eyes. not in trouble because it was my fault. I should have gotten out and checked it. But you or just the, looked in the rearview mirror. I, I did look in the rearview mirror. I didn't see it. Oh. But I, you know, usually the person who pumps also puts the nozzle back. <laughs> Do you hear this? Hey, I'm getting a lot of fan mail that were really upset with you posting that on yeah, Instagram. Last night, last night, she comes in, Halston, she comes in <laughs> and goes, Woo, a lot of backlash for the B-Man. And I went, what? And she goes, a lot of people upset you posted that video of me with the nozzle. And I was like, wait, what, is her name Leanne? No. Is it, is it the one person that goes, that's not cool. Leanne's like, no shit. Right? They were like, that's not cool. I've done that several times and it's so embarrassing. I can't believe that he posted that for 40,000 people to look at. More than 40. It's got to be. It's on my Instagram. You can follow so, me on Instagram at, at Kreischer. Well, I don't follow you on Instagram. I, I you live don't. with you. <laughs> that's instant enough for me. Let's see how many, how many <laughs> views that's gotten. Let's see. I don't know how many views, but I got like three emails saying that Only was 85, not cool. 85,000. And part of me was going, that's what you say is not cool of all the things that he's posted or written jokes about. <laughs> 85,000 I was actually views. cool with ripping the nozzle out. Uh, the oh. fart on the chin joke, I could have maybe done without. <laughs> fart on the chin? One time during oral sex, Liam farted on my chin. Uh, just, you see how you're getting me back for blaming you for the garbage and the nozzle? Yeah. You see how you just did that? You are a fucking amazing. <laughs> if you didn't have... Oh. <laughs> I would, by the way, I no joke, I would definitely have divorced me by now. When you were trying to take a nap this morning, and last night she got in bed with me and she just goes, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get out of bed. I'm just going to end up waking up. Do you know how how 
fucking how long that would have lasted with me if I could never have gotten in bed with you because you fucking you shook violently and not and woke me up. I'd be like, this. We gotta fix this. We need different rooms. Well, you know what's so funny is okay. So last night, Bert Bert snores really badly, really bad, and so and there's really not much I can do about it. It doesn't matter if he's drinking or not. It doesn't matter if he's on his side or on his back. And there's what can I do? It's not Bert's fault, mm-hmm. but I can't sleep. So it's one of those like lose lose for me. There's nothing I can do but just move. So. I'll, I'm not getting enough sleep because I can't sleep with the snoring. So I was this morning was like, I can't wait for our kids to leave home. I am going to have my own bedroom. <laughs> I think I think this idea of wow. like back in the day when the man, man and the woman had their separate bedrooms was not a bad idea because I just don't get enough sleep yeah. ever. And it's not. And I was thinking this morning when I took that nap because I was so tired. I'm the one person in this house get, that can fall asleep before the lights are out and will sleep all night long. Yeah. Except that everyone else, dogs, cats, people in this house wake me up all night long. All night long. And if everybody would just leave me alone, I am the best sleeper. But this is you. You. Everybody wakes me up. You'd Cat, be great in a, in a soundproof coffin. Oh my god, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be in heaven. George's bedroom with the doors closed. George's bedroom is the best room to sleep. It's in. like a cave. Yeah. And uh, so as soon as she moves out, I'm taking her room. <laughs> I'm moving in. Jesus. Because I can't sleep with you, and it's not your fault, you know. And I know a lot of women get really mad at their husbands because I really want, snore, I want to. But sw- it's not his hey, fault. Hey, I'm looking for this. If anyone has a cure to snoring or a cure to like, yours I, is and the I shape sleep, of your jaw. I can't do sleep apnea because um, yours the, is the shape of your jaw. You're, yeah. All right. It's the same thing as Georgia. Um, Father, we, Father's Day is around the corner, everybody. Is it? Yeah, it is. You know what dads love? Stuff from Target? <laughs> steaks. Oh. I've been an Omaha Steaks fan since day one. Oh, my grandmother. My grandmother, it was such a great way to send me a care package. Grandma would send me Omaha Steaks. I, I mean, from, I want to say, I, I, I want to say I was the original Omaha Steaks guy. Like, when they, when they first started selling them and you could ship them to people, I was in that first generation. You think so? Because I, I remember being like people, I get, I, they, you could get lobster tails, you could get, yeah. you can still, by the way, they're a, a sponsor of the podcast. This is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. But, hey, Leanne, could you not do that while I'm talking to you? <laughs> I didn't know you were talking to me. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> She's a piece of work today, isn't she? You know, I have my own podcast. I'm used oh, to Oh, she's got her own merch too, everybody. That's coming out. She just spent a fucking... Anyway, I was that first generation of Omaha Steaks, and they were fucking phenomenal. And I've been an Omaha Steaks fan for my whole life. When I'm in Omaha, they have an Omaha Steaks store. And they I, do? Yes, you can go in Omaha. I, I perform in Omaha. Shout out to Colleen. You can go into the Omaha Steaks store and ship Omaha Steaks to yourself. No way. They're fu- they're phenomenal cuts. We've got five ounce fillets waiting, five ounce top sirloins waiting. We've got the Omaha fries um, they have out twice baked right potatoes now. that are really good. Ooh. They've got, we've got hot dogs. We've got burgers. Apple caramel tart. And they're all high-end beef. Uh, let me let me read some of the facts that you need to know. Uh, Father's Day is just around the corner. Does your dad grill? I do. I'm a fucking dad. I'm an American dad. I was wearing a Bush Reagan shirt yesterday. Reagan Bush shirt. We should get this for your dad for Father's Day we, and mine. We should. It is grilling season. This is yeah, what we did totally. all weekend is just grilled. So totally. kick off grilling season with some Omaha Steaks Father's Day package to dad. Holy shit. As a dad, I'm telling you right now. 
They're convenient. They deliver hand-trimmed, flash-frozen, vacuum-sealed meats directly to your door in an Omaha Steaks cooler. There's a variety. You got pork. You got poultry. We got you get you've got veal, lamb, bison, seafood, vegetables. They've got a thing in there called steak fried chicken. What? I, I don't know. I gotta you mean see it. Chicken fried steak. No, I. That's what steak I said. Steak fried chicken. I think. I don't know. What does that mean? Just fried in a skillet? It's the highest quality of cuts, one of a kind flavor, and the beef is. All beef USDA inspected for quality and aged 21 days to unlock the full flavor of tenderness of the cuts. I was listening to um, to Ben Greenfeld talk to Joe Rogan about how he f- he ages his meat, and I didn't realize that aging really brings out the full flavor. Oh of the meat. yeah, it's really good when it's aged. And you can customize it. Omaha Steaks gives you the option to cuts to customize your cuts for your dad's grilling needs, final recipes, and wine pairing. Let's do this for dad. Let's do it. Do it for your dad and my dad. Let's do it while we do it. Well, don't slow down the read. We'll do it when we're done. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited time offer to my listeners for a Father's Day at 78% off. What What? the fuck? What? That's got to be a typo. Nope. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited limited time offer to my listeners for a Father's Day gift at 78% off. This is really an amazing deal. No way. Go to omahasteaks.com. Type in Bert in the search bar, and you can get Omaha Steaks Father's Day package, which includes, holy shit. Okay, I'm doing it right now. Two filet mignons, but two Bert? beefy top sirloins, two chicken fried steaks. That's what we've got this one in our, we've got this one in our fucking fridge right now. This is what we're cooking tonight. Wait, put Bert in the search? In the search bar, and you get Omaha oh. Steaks Father's Day package, which includes Two tender filet mignons, two beefy top sirloins, two chicken fried steaks, two boneless pork chops, four all beef Omaha steak burgers, four jumbo franks, 12 ounces of all beef meatballs, one pound of steak fries, steakhouse fries, four caramel apple tartlets, and one Omaha steak seasoning, plus get four more grill-ready Omaha steak burgers free with purchase. Again... This is fucking amazing. This is a limited offer. This package is $50 when you go to Omaha Steaks. What? $49.99. Wait, what? $49.99. For the whole thing and free shipping? You got it. Shut up. Let me maybe purse my words on that. I don't know about that. I I think it is free. I don't know. Yes, this combo ships for free. Again, this is a limited time oh package for God. only forty nine ninety nine. When you go to omahasteaks.com, type in Bert B E R T in the search bar and add Father's Day package to your cart. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type in Bert B E R T in the search bar and grab your dad. Grab your dad and fire up the grill. Holy shit, Omaha Steaks. Oh my gosh. This is fucking amazing. Yeah. By the way, I'm get we get one for dad, would you? I'm and get one right for your now. dad. Get one and for I'm your dad. And I'm adding that you can add um, four top sirloins for thirty bucks. Get one for your dad and get one for my dad. I am. And get one for Mike. Wait, I am. For Mike. Oh, okay. Because he just became a father. Mike's my sister's husband. Get one for Mike. It's 150 bucks. Father Day is done. Okay. Blue Apron. This podcast is also brought to you by Blue Apron. You know I love Blue Apron. I've talked about them ad 
ad nauseum. Blue Apron is a leading meal to kit delivery service in the U.S. And while many people know what we do, many don't know about the type of meals that you can eat when you cook with Blue Apron. You're not just having burgers for dinner. You're making short rib burgers with hoppy cheddar sauce on a pretzel bun. You're preparing seared steak and thyme pan sauce with mashed potatoes, green beans, and crispy shallots all Mm. in under 45 minutes without a trip to the grocery store. Here's what Blue Apron wants to do. They want to make incredibly home-cooked meals accessible for everyone. And they're doing this by supporting a more sustainable food system and setting the higher standards ingredients and building a community of home chefs. They offer three plans. The two-meal, two-person meal plan, meals to serve two people, choosing from eight new recipes per week with the choice of receiving two to three recipes any week. The family meal plan, which we do, and it really does... Uh, prove the point that a family that eats together stays together because we are close as shit. We went ATVing the other day and I thought we spend so much time together as a family with the four of us mm-hmm. just giggling and laughing that when Isla was on that ATV, it's almost natural. That's one of the things that's beautiful about Blue Apron is they force us together at the end of every day to catch up, touch base and remain real. None of our, our girls aren't disappearing into di- brand new personalities because we eat dinner with them every fucking night. Yeah. Every night I'm home, we have dinner and we are eating Blue Apron. Yep. The family meal plan serves four people choosing from four new recipes per week with the choice of receiving two, three, or four recipes per week and the wine meal plan, which I want to do tonight so bad. We have a Blue Apron for tonight. Six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers around the world delivered monthly. Uh, it's convenient. It's flexible. You always get new ones. It's high quality. They send only non-GMO ingredients with meats and no added uh, hormones, and it's affordable. It's under 10 bucks per person, and you can cook it in under 45 minutes. Here's what they've got on the menu for this week. It didn't print out. Oh, yeah, it did. Creamy pesto cavatelliti with mushrooms and spicy breadcrumbs. White cheddar cheeseburgers with balsamic glazed onions and roasted potatoes. I love their cheeseburgers. Their cheeseburgers are awesome. Salmon and spicy orange salsa with quinoa and carrot salad. And pork chorizo tacos with radishes and roasted potatoes and cotija cheese. Cojita? Cotija. Cojita. Cotija. Same, same. Nope. Anyway, this is what you do. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Check out this week's menu and get your first three menus free. Get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Let me say that again. <laughs> go, to, go to this. Go to fucking check out this week's menus and get your first three meals free at Blue Apron. Did I say free? Free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Da-da. These are all ads that we read, but we believe in in our life. Yes. These are, um, I know that um, I do read the copy, and I sometimes it may sound like I'm reading through it, but we believe in all of these, including this last one, which, by the way, we just bought ourselves because our free membership that you give you when you... this. They, when you sign, when you help do ads, sometimes yeah. you get like uh, they go, "Hey, try it, try it out." Yeah, here's a here's a login. Yeah, we went to login and it didn't work the other day, and Leon's like, "Why well, we use it so much? Let's just fucking buy it." It was Let's like our, eight bucks a month. Yeah, I think we used our promo code. <laughs> we did. It was eight bucks a month, though. Yeah, this podcast is also brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. 
Listen, this is our fucking workout right here. I love it. Leanne's been doing it this entire year. Yep, I she love it. She is still down 16 pounds. 12. She... <laughs> 12 pounds. You can't lie. You don't want to lie about it. I'm not lying. I thought you were down 16. 16 pounds I, would be amazing. No, I'm only down 12, but I still love happy. You, but you're down 16 was your total. 16 originally. was my total, yes. Yeah. And then I stopped eating strictly on the 21 day fixed plan. Leanne did this at the beginning of the year. Beach Body on Demand offers literally the top of the line of, of, the companies, the workouts. They've got P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, which Leanne did, T25, Brazilian Butler, which I'd like her to do, Pio, Hip Hop Abs, which I'd also like her to do, and the three week yoga retreat, and many more. They've got the best trainers Sean T, Charlene Johnson, Tony Horton, Autumn Calabrese, 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 Calabrese. Beachbody is basically. An easy-to-use streaming service gives you instant access to a wide variety of super workouts, and you can all do this inside your house in the comfort of your own living room, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Work out on your schedule. Work out anytime, anywhere, and literally come come at it with the biggest support community with over a million people currently on Beachbody On Demand. It is the best deal in fitness. You guys, listeners of the Burtcast, can try it for free, absolutely free. Um, Leanne does Beachbody. I do uh, Beast Mode, my guy Beast Mode, and I'm lifting weights right now because uh, I have a cold, and so I've been lifting weights, and I've been just basically bastardizing. I go do his workout, and then I bastardize it when I'm on the road. If, if I don't have my phone with me down in the in the, in the gym, or if, like this weekend, I just do versions of his workout with my weights. So, uh, but it's fucking awesome. Here's what you do. Let's see if there's anything else we need to do. Nope, nope. Do it now. Get in shape. Send me pics. Send me nude pics of yourself. Nude. Right, no, just the females. No. Just, the, just send me nude pics of no. your. My female no. listeners right now, send me nude pics no. of yourself. No. Okay, male listeners, email Leanne nude pics of yourself. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> email me nude pictures of Leanne. I want you to try this. Get healthy. I'm doing a triathlon. I am using Beachbody for my weights. Uh, I, I love this app. My listeners right now can get a special free trial membership when you text BERT to 303030. That's B-E-R-T to 303030. Text BERT to 303030 and you get a free trial membership right now. You will get access, full access to the entire platform for free. All workouts, the nutritional information, and the support, totally free. Again, text BERT to 303030. Beachbody, a better way to have sex with your wife. What? Oh, I, know, I was in the copy. I guess uh -huh. I must put that in there. Totally. How long has this read been so far, Halston? 30 hey, you guys are going to love this one. Um, this podcast I released this week because I want... I, I've been a fan of Rob Riggles uh, for a long time. I think we all have. He's kind of a part of the American lexicon these days. Of When it comes to comedy, you think of Rob Riggles. He's, he's on NFL Fox. He's been in all the big movies, 21 Jump Street. He's just, he's just all around. And he came in, and I don't know if he knew what the podcast was going to be about or if he was like, like, ah, fuck. Like sometimes you, you get guys that come in, they're like, eh, I don't know. Fucking talk to this Jamoke, I don't know him. He doesn't know me, and he, you know, Jamoke. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to be fucking hip. What's a Jamoke? I don't know. I was just fucking saying a word. Why are you? Okay. Anyway, the thing that really fascinated me about Rob Riggle uh, when I first met him, uh, 
I never met him. When I first heard of him, I heard he was a Marine and that he was in the military service. And that fascinated me. There's a part of me that that is obsessed with those who are willing to sacrifice that much of their life, meaning leave their families and go serve or, or leave, give up their freedoms and go serve or go to boot camp for 13 weeks, 15 weeks and go serve. It also fascinates me that, that, that kind of man, I've been listening to a lot of, uh, motivational spe- speeches from Navy SEALs and from guys in the military. I follow a lot of guys in the military um, on my Instagram and they're on my, they are my motivation in a weird way. And to know a guy like Rob who's in the same career path as I am, but to ha- see him have all the things that that I don't have. And, 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 and I, the point of this podcast is I felt we were very similar guys growing up and then we veered off and I found out where we veered off. Where, at what point we realized we are men made of a different metal. And he shares that in this podcast. But I thought this was a great podcast to release this week, uh, the two days after Memorial Day, when we appreciate all those for their service. I didn't send out some campy tweet for myself, self-congratulating myself for recognizing those with service. I didn't put out some Instagram like thanking everyone for their service, only because I felt like that seemed a little disingenuous. I wrote one out. I showed it to Leanne and Leanne went, no, that's fucking ridiculous. And so I didn't post it. And I thought what we do instead is I'd share this podcast and we'd celebrate a man who really did give almost everything for his country. And obviously didn't give his life, but he, he sacrificed more out of a place in a business where selfishness is rewarded, he did the most selfless things at, at certain times in his life. And I found that fascinating. And I find Rob Riggle to be a fucking fascinating and amazing guy. And I will say this. Coming into this podcast, I think he didn't know what to expect. I will guarantee, and I think Halston can back me up on this, and I think Rob would even say this. Leaving, he had a great time. We had an amazing conversation. And you will absolutely love it. I want to thank Rob Riggle for coming by and doing it because I know that it wasn't in his wheelhouse of things he'd normally do. But uh, you're going to love this podcast, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, comedian, actor, and retired U.S. Marine, Rob Riggle. How'd you meet Sarah? Sarah, uh, I met through a mutual comedy friend. Who? Um, Bennett Weber. Don't know. Uh, he's a great comedian. Uh, great. Your comedy your comedy circle is literally like a crop circle away from mine. Like I don't even, <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't know anyone you know. It, it could be. I came up through doing uh, improv more than stand up. Yeah. So I came up through the UCB in New York. Upright Citizen Brigade in New York and and the UCB out here. And then I started doing stand-up eventually when I was on The Daily Show. uh, And that's where I met a lot of stand-ups. But I met Sarah through a mutual friend, uh, Ben Weber. And then she came and did some things with me for Riggles Picks on Fox NFL. Oh, that's right. You're fucking so dialed in together. And then when we – I did the uh, Rob Lowe roast and I worked with Sarah on that. A lot, yeah. And so, and then we just hit it off. So I was like, I, I want to start a podcast. This is back in 2017. I was like, I, you know, the beginning of next year in 2018, I want to, I want to start a podcast, and I'd love to do it with you because I think we get along, and I think we have a good rapport. And she's like, Hell yeah! So we just started it in January. 
that's awesome yeah she's super talented yeah she's a great lady super super great lady super fun super funny she's the person i i've said to people um they're in the in this business i, I i've said this wrong now that i think about it there are like journeymen male comics uh-huh. where like you've been doing it 20 years and then yeah. you get success yeah and i go with women it always seems like they get a pop at like eight years and they're famous as shit <laughs> but then you look at sarah and you're like no she's working funny as shit yeah and like she's like a, a legit journeyman female comic yeah i don't well i don't think it, it's so rare that anybody gets into comedy male or female uh and doesn't have to grind i mean everybody's got to grind everybody's got to grind and it's that uh it's that uh 10 year thing uh, will ferrell told me he said it takes 10 years to make an overnight success and yeah. it's true you know, i mean and that 10 years can be a lot of things it can be top of the hill in 10 years or you just start to see some opportunities at 10 years but 10 years is generally the mark i think when you start getting either opportunities or breaks what did when did when was your first break uh, it was uh, Saturday Night Live. That, sweet, was, the, that sweet. was the first gig I ever got. So you're someone who I first saw, I first recognized, like I first recognized, like you know, when, like fame starts where you start going. I see that person a lot. I got to look into them. <laughs> your half hour presents your Comedy Central. Oh presents. wow, okay. Because I remember, I remember this very distinctly because you took your shirt off. No, nope. I think I swear to God. <laughs> nope. Are you sure? I would never take my shirt off. Are you sure? I'm positive. I swear to God, I thought you took your shirt off. You and another guy. There, it must have been another guy, but you were at that same time. You did a half hour, right? I did. Uh, I did a half hour on Comedy Central. Yeah, I remember watching it. But I, I promise you, I was big back then. I was, I was a lot heavier than I am now. Wait, how heavy? Oh, I was probably. Fuck me. Um. I was probably 40 pounds heavier than I am right now. I would love to lose 40 pounds. <laughs> I was for, but there's no, my point is there's no way I would take my shirt I off. I swear to God. It must no have, way. It, but I would anyway, have been too ashamed. I would have been too ashamed. To regardless, I saw your half hour okay. and, I went, and I went, wow, what's up? What, I've seen this guy a lot. Yeah. And then, um, and then I, like I was talking to someone, you know, and like you get like, like immediately get. This is gonna sound really shitty. <laughs> do you know? Do you remember when? Do you remember in college when you'd be sitting with a group of people, like sure. girls and guys, and then your one buddy, all the girls would be like, you know, who we have to set you up with, and you're, and they're like, you gotta, you gotta meet uh, Sarah, and everyone's like, oh my god, they'd be perfect together, and then you're sitting there going, I'm single too. Yeah. Does no one notice that I'm fucking single? Yeah, and I, I tell you guys, I'm single all the time. Yeah, and no one's setting me up with shit. <laughs> I was sitting next to someone, and they go, man, that guy has got everything going. And I said, what do you mean? They go, he was, he's a Marine. And, and immediately I went, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Like, I, there's no reason you would ever hate this guy. Like, you got a million reasons to hate me. They're like, oh, he's an alcoholic or whatever. But, and I was like, and, I, and then I would watch you and I was like, God damn it. And you, you have been in so much shit that it's almost like I say this, there's a, a thing with, I guess it's not happening with Ben Affleck as much anymore, yeah. but America buys into you and they go, that's our guy. And I go, I think you that's have quite that a compliment. hardcore. Holy shit. That's like one of the nicest things anybody's ever said to me. Dude, I, you're, you're legit. Like, uh, there's a handful of you, you, David Koechner. You can um, love Keck. Right. He's one, of, he's one of my friends. He's, he's one of my dude, very good friends. If you see David Koechner or something, you go, yeah. oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, he's a, he's a pure heart. He's got a, he's a genuine guy. He's the greatest. Yeah. He, I saw him at 
uh, Big Five down on Ventura. Okay. And he comes up and he goes, Kreiser. I go, what's up? And he goes, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm buying weights for uh, some guy he works with on Simpsons. I go, what? And he goes, he's always using mine. I thought I'd get him some. That's awesome. That's And that's Kegner. Yeah. You know, he and I do a charity event in Kansas City. because we're both, Of course you do. Because we're both from Kansas City. Of course you guys do. <laughs> what? Okay, so what's, what's, what's your flaw then? <laughs> oh, God, we don't have time. I got so many. It's ridiculous. Uh, I can be lazy. I can be grumpy. Ask, we're all ask that. Jan. We're all that, though. <laughs> um, I, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, sometimes I, my, I you have to talk to my wife. I guess I'm a terrible listener, maybe. I'm a horrible listener. I don't think I'm a terrible listener. I, I do work on my flaws. I do. I try to self-improve all the time. Uh, so I, I try to improve. I think... Though I could probably be a better listener, probably, you know, I guess. I'm a horrible listener. We could, I think we could all probably be better listeners. Yes. So what, so you were, you were raised in Kansas? I was raised in Kansas City, yeah. Kansas City. Uh, yeah. Missouri? Um, Overland Park, Kansas, which is a suburb of Kansas City on the Kansas side. Okay. I, I, I hesitate to say Kansas City, Kansas, because it's... It's different. It's uh, Kansas City split down the middle between Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. A lot of the nicer stuff is uh, on the Kansas City, Missouri side. Uh, Kansas City, Kansas is more industrial complex type stuff. So it's a little you know rougher and there's not much to it. Yeah. Although it is getting built up. But Overland Park, Kansas is a really beautiful suburb of Kansas City. But it's on the Kansas side. So I'm from Kansas. I went there in, tell me if you remember this, uh, the NCAA championship okay. was in like 80. 88? 88. Yeah. I went to that game. Nice. Yeah, my, my uncle was a big lobbyist, and that's my experience with Kansas City was going out there. <laughs> to Kemper Arena back in 88. Yep. Well, that was a good one because that's when uh, Kansas University won with Danny Manning. Danny Manning. And uh, uh, so I, I imagine it was rocking pretty hard. It was really awesome. It was one, a really cool experience. It was my first time, like, was, I remember it was the first time I got to the hotel and there was porn available. <laughs> And I was like, I classic was, Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> classic Kansas City. I was not in ninth grade, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, I want to get porn more, oh, more. Like, and but I was like, it's gonna come up on a bill. Little did I know <laughs> now how little a grown up pays attention to a hotel bill. They're like, yeah, yeah. just pay it. Yeah, I would have definitely loaded up. <laughs> so, so uh, you Kansas City? What kind of like? Parents uh, together, yep. brother and sister. Yep, I had I have an older sister, one one older sister um, who's outstanding, and I had two great parents that uh, are still married to this day, fifty five years into it, I guess, and uh, they're fantastic. Everybody's happy and healthy. Did you play sports in high school? I'm trying to see how similar we are, yeah, and why you've had so much more success than me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like I really feel like like when I first saw you, I was like. Oh, this is the kind of guy I would have grown up with. This is the kind of guy I would have been friends with growing up. Cool. I would have been in your fraternity. Yeah. I would have been, we would have like moved to New York together, had the similar experiences. I was like, like we, I feel like we would have been on the same path. Yeah. So my goal is to find out how similar our paths are and where you diverged <laughs> and, 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 and it succeeded past me. <laughs> Uh, when, okay, you go, uh, when you say laziness, I go, I go. Oh, you stay out at bars until four in the morning, and you're like, oh no, no. I meant, I meant, I have a hard time getting to the gym. In I mean, the morning. like I didn't write my ten pages on my script yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I only wrote five, and I should have, I should have done ten. Damn it. 
Um, so, so high school, like what kind of like? I I, I had a very uh, I would I don't know I guess the more I the more I live around the the world and the country and the more people I get exposed to and the more I I learn about other people's journeys the more I realize just how great. A gr- uh, childhood I had I'm, I, I'm, I really I'm, did you know it's so funny when they first started talking about white privilege I um, I'm, I'm mocked the idea uh-huh. and now I look I'm, I'm really getting to a place where I go oh I I definitely benefited um, I really had a very blessed childhood I struggle with white privilege a little bit although I did I did just finish reading and I know I'm like five years behind on this but i I, always say i'm woke for 1985 i i did i did just read uh outliers uh malcolm gladwell's book okay and he he really dives into uh the effect of community uh and and what that means to your ability to succeed um and he he really does some pretty interesting historical work um talking about just the community you're raised in, the opportunities you get in that community, and Bob, you know, and he goes on and on and on, and it it, it could be making an argument for uh, I don't want I don't want to say white privilege, but privilege, yeah, okay, because it applies across uh, racial lines, the community and the opportunities you're presented with, yeah. um, and and the amount of success you have as a result of that, uh, and it can be generational, so it was it was a fascinating read on that, but at the end of the day, when I was cutting milkweed out of the beef fields at my grandfather's farm you know 12 14 hours a day in the summer i don't recall anybody you know i didn't didn't feel like much privilege there when i was eating Whoa. dirt and so that's you know, real and i didn't feel like a lot of privilege when i was in boot camp uh you know and it didn't feel like a lot i understand the historical references i'm not oblivious to that yeah. but at the end of the day it does come there is a it's a mix it is i believe there is a mix between um, the community and the opportunities uh, presented. Um, and I also believe that at some point you have to be responsible for your own life. Yeah. You I have agree. to be. You, you can point at society. You can point at your parents. You can point at everybody. You, you, could, you could spend all day making a laundry list of reasons why yeah. your life isn't what you want it to be. But at the end of the day, it's just you. It's you. You yeah. know, we're born naked. We come into this world naked. We're going to die naked alone. You know, at the end, you, you, you so just, you my, have. You just made every single one of my listeners dick hard. <laughs> I, there's a bunch of fat white guys with beards going, yeah, I fucking bust my goddamn ass. <laughs> I have no, that's one I made a well, joke. Well, no, don't get, I'm like, you know, like I, I remember seeing, you know, you see politicians making these speeches about how you didn't earn anything in your life and you didn't do this. And, it, you know, it's, it's the taxpayers who built the road so that you could have a business. And, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. If you want to make that your truth, fine. Yes, there is, there are elements of truth there. Yeah. But at the end of the day, who put their name on the line? Who put their money on the line? Who risked everything? The individual. Whoever that individual is, they're the ones who risked it all. Reputation, yeah. fortune, relationships, everything. So there is a mix between community and individual. Um, and and somewhere in the truth is the somewhere in the middle is the truth. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting debate. I did enjoy his book, uh, Malcolm's. Well, I, I feel like as I as I'm listening to, you, I feel like one of the things I'd said uh, as an adult, I'd said, I, re- I this is going to sound ridiculous. I wanted to go to boot camp. I wanted to. I feel like I needed. I needed the. F- 
fraternity experience for me was very um, defining, uh-huh. and because of humility. Um, the, when you when we got hazed pretty aggressively, and there was a submitting that happened, where I think it helps you redefine who you are and what you are. And I, and I looked at it as an adult. And I said, <clears throat> I said to a bunch of my buddies, I said, we should all go to boot camp. We should see if they can organize a boot camp. Obviously, I don't think I can do 18 weeks or 13 weeks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but like, but go away and sacrifice a little bit to see. And when I'm listening to you, I go, I bet that was a very big defining moment for you. Yeah, I was uh, I was 19 years old and it was definitely a transition. Fuck. It was a transition from boyhood to manhood. No doubt about it. Because when you step off that bus and put your feet in those yellow footprints and the drill instructors start yelling at you, you're alone. You're you can't get back on that bus. You can't call timeout. You can't say I don't want to play anymore. You're in it. And that's when you realize, "Oh, I'm going to have to get strong." I'm going to have to get mentally strong. I'm going to have to get physically strong. I'm going to have to be tougher than I ever thought I could be. And it hits you like a slap in the face. And it scares the shit out of you. Because you sit there and you think, I just made the biggest mistake of my fucking life. Oh, fuck. But then, sweet, 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 but sweet. then you get tough. You just, it's, it's, there, it's an old cliche. You've seen it on posters and stuff. But you never know how strong you are until you have to be. Yeah. And, and that's what boot camp gave to me and fraternity like you know i mean when you submit yourself to a bigger hole when you say i'm going to be part of something it's not just my world i'm going to submit and become a, a part of this bigger hole um it, it 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 can be inspiring it can be awesome and it can be something that drives you but you know when you find yourself in those scary moments uh um it, it's the it's what builds character it's what makes you uh who you are it's what makes you a man whatever that means yeah, i know yeah. we, can, we can make jokes about that all day but it's what makes you uh the adult it's part of the maturation process um and and so you really you don't know you don't know how strong you are until you have to be you know it's it's if you're living off your parents and you're 26 years old you got a fucking problem you know you need to get out of the house you need to go live on your own and that and it's going to suck at first that's the thing about responsibility and growing up is it's hard that's why you try to do it early you try to do it when you're 13 14 15 years old because yeah. you know then you have some help if you're trying to do it at 25 26 27 you're in a hurt locker you're, you're going to be bummed out uh so the sooner you start the better off your life's going to be as far as taking responsibility so in 19 what kind of what kind of uh high schooler are you are you as you exit high school and go into like what kind of like well i, I went to I, I i went um i graduated from high school and i went to kansas university yeah. and from in while i was in kansas university i went to the marines okay so um so you I, go to, I, I remember my buddy went to boot camp yeah uh he was in our fraternity um i'm for, i'm draw, drawing a blank on his name he has since passed um oh, sorry he, to hear that fucking uh, and so and but uh he came back yoked like uh-huh. ripped and Sean and he was a different dude. He was he was like you could see it in his eyes. He came he went in soft and pudgy uh-huh. and came out a man. So like and I remember seeing that and going fuck. It happened to me too. My friends when I got back to when I got back to school cuz you go during the summer. Uh, so your summer was spent at boot camp. Two summers spent at boot camp. Two summers spent yeah. at boot. Yeah, officer candidate school. Oh yeah, same thing as boot camp. Only the difference is they're trying to get rid of you. Really? Yeah. So you so so 
uh, go to University of Kansas, join yep. a fraternity, yep. having fun, have fun, f- pledge your socials, yep. just blast. Oh, tog- not yep. togas like like uh, the uh, ho- uh, pimps up, hose down parties. <laughs> oh God, I remember the cultural appropriation when we didn't know what it was, and then you go- you decided to go to. Yeah, I, I did. I I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was a poli sci major at the time, but I, I really wanted to be a theater and film major or whatever. But anyway, I had a uh, I had my pilot's license when I was an undergrad. I used to fly. So how I does took, that happen? Well, my grandfather was he was a uh, he wanted to be an aviator in World War II, uh, but he was too short, so they made him an intel officer for the eighth army air corps and he always wanted to fly and he was pissed off that he, he was just he was pissed about it so when i when i got up to school he was like he's like hey if you want to learn how to fly I'll, I'll i'll pay for your pilot's license so well you know what the fuck am i gonna say i was like yeah i'll take that deal yeah. um so i did and kansas is a great place to learn to fly it's the flattest state you've ever seen yeah so the whole state's a runway you know if anything went wrong i just fucking set it down you know yeah. anywhere so it was a great place to learn to fly i felt very confident every time i went up anyway so i learned how to fly but i took this test called the aqtfar test uh and i did well enough that i got a guaranteed flight contract with the marine corps and you know truth is is i i did there was a part of me that wanted to serve you know i wanted to know uh, if i could do it i was very patriotic guy i wanted to serve um so I, I, I knew that was going to be part of my life, so I, I, I just did it. Um, and I also knew I wanted to do uh, comedy and acting. I just didn't know how or when or if I'd ever grow enough balls to go for it, Yeah, to be honest. And I did. I eventually did ball up and go for it. So, so what's, like, if you can, walk me through boot camp a tad bit yeah. because I'm really fascinated by boot camp. Sure. There's a lot of guys that I, I, I hope... If you don't know, I'd be really excited to introduce you to, mm-hmm. meaning like I don't know them personally, but you know, online, mm-hmm. like uh, Tim Kennedy, you know Tim Kennedy? No. Jocko Wilnick? Jo- oh, oh my God. I'm going to I'm gonna put, give you a list of guys that I, th- I think you'll really connect with okay. because they emote a lot of... Um, a lot of the, a lot of how you, a lot of the same ideals that you have, and I think they're very similar men to you, mm-hmm. in a different vein. But I think you'll really dig them. Jocko's got a really great podcast. Jocko's like, pro- Jocko and Tim are probably the two most inspirational guys. Both ex Navy SEALs, but oh, wow. they're just like Tim's really fun to follow. On uh, he's a cage fighter. Oh Jesus! Like he, but he, but he was this guy's hard. He's alpha. He's a hardcore. No man, I really think you guys. Would, he's not. He's a regular dude. Okay. He just his mindset's a little different. Yeah. Like yours is very similar to yours like if you're sitting on your couch at 26 you're fucking wasting your you know he's like a guy like you get up and do it Jocko is famous for um on his Instagram he just posts a picture of his watch when he starts to work out and it's at 420 in the morning every like 422 and he and then he shows you the calluses on his hands like he is a Jocko's a badass motherfucker he sounds extremely motivated but and you, disciplined you I you both Jocko has a great podcast, and I think he's in San Diego. And I, I that would be a. I mean, I don't know him well enough, but he's on Joe's podcast a bunch. Cool. Um, so describe if you could the experience of of boot camp, like your first day, your first week, your first like the things that stick out to you. Well, uh, um, officer candidate school for the Marine Corps is different than boot camp. Boot camp, you uh, sign up. And you sign the papers, and the Marine Corps basically owns you for yeah. four years. Yeah. So when you go to boot camp, um, 
in that sense, they're going to make you a Marine come heck or high water. You show up fat, you show up not ready, you show up whatever. They'll just put you through boot camp twice until you do graduate. <laughs> like you're going, they're got you. Yeah. Officer candidate school is different. That's more of a screening and evaluating process. So they are, you show up and you have to earn the right to stay. You don't get to just be an officer. You have to, um, they're screening and evaluating you and they're looking to cut you. They're yeah. looking to send you home. Um, so it's, it's really a tryout. Um, and, and it's, so it's different in, in that sense yeah. from boot camp. The pressure is different. Yeah. Uh, boot camp is you're there. And they'll they'll just they'll just run you until you're fucking ready to go. Really, uh, Officer Candidate School, you better show up fucking ready, and ready to go, and with your head screwed on straight, and you better be uh, self motivated, and uh, physically fit, and all those things, and you better really? have a sense of uh, yourself and leadership, and all. There, you know, there's no time to teach, and and I was green. I was as fucking green as they come. I'm a kid. You know, yeah. what the fuck do I know? Uh, I've never served. I, I hadn't done anything, but I, I, I did as much prep work as I could. I got as ready as I could, and I, I went. Uh, it's in Quantico, Virginia. You, you know, you, you land. Uh, it's you're, you're in your civilian clothes. You know, you got on khakis and a, and a golf shirt, and you, you go, and you know, they, it's, it's, it's very disorienting because it's everything's by the numbers. They're moving you. Get on the bus. Get on the sit down here. Don't. Uh, you know, and you're, so you're just kind of, everything's new and scary. So you're just kind of out of your element and your adrenaline's cooking and you don't even realize it. It's kind of this undercurrent of adrenaline. And then the first night of processing, you know, you get in late, they process you all night. So Is it like not, stripes? Like you got literally, you're carrying you're a blanket carry, yeah, and you're clothes? Kind of, you're, and, exactly. Because you show up with jack shit. You got nothing. Oh, you got nothing? Nothing. Oh, you don't bring a suitcase? Well, you bring a you bring a small little suitcase, like like uh, like tra like toothbrush and stuff. Even that though, pretty much is screened and evaluated. Shit, like, do you realize how dis uh, dis disarming that would be in this day and age for someone to go? Oh no, people. Could, they, they, well, see, I don't want to pick on millennials because it sounds. I sound no, like, no, 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 I sound no, like no. The old codger going. No, These I'm, fucking kids today. Dude, I've lost my shit with that. Like I'm like <laughs> I I'm obsessed with going like the, the, you know what SS SMR is. Uh, it's videos that my daughters love. It's this. It's this. It's people what? eating. They mic their mouths, and it's just the sound of people eating. Is that a fetish? Dude, no. It's what kids do to get entertained these days. Oh That's my god, they, we've lost a whole dude, generation of Americans. There's a video I watched. There's a video I watched online. The world's most satisfying video. It's got 40 million views. I'm going to be talking about this. All it is is a guy cutting through foam, cutting through foam, cutting through foam, cutting through foam. And then they have a thousand matches and they light it and all the matches light up. It's, one of the videos is someone pulling the seal off of a brand new iPhone. And that is what... That is what entertains millennials. This is this is the state of America. Things in America are so fucking good right now that we don't have any fucking problems. None. If that's the kind of shit that entertains and gets people's attention. If that's where people spend their attention, we're so far we're so good. <laughs> Dude, one We of have the, no problem. One of the videos is a guy uh a de-skinning salmon he's you're watching a man work and that is your that's a job you could get that job if you're into that you could get that job fuck but, me this sounds like idiocracy it sounds like idiocracy i'm i'm gonna say something you will not agree with but that is really <laughs> it's an aggressive statement but i i feel like what this country needs is a war
<laughs> I know you're not going to agree with that. But no, like, I if don't. If there was a war, because I, I don't know what war really is. I know you've been over there a bunch. But like, I think that would bring everyone back to... to you're not. I understand. I you understand, understand what I'm saying. I understand you're, your motive yeah, behind yeah. that. Yes, totally. I'm, I'm wrong. Totally. I, I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> but what were you gonna say when you say like when I said you show up with nothing? Yeah. The idea that you'd have that you, you would, have a small little suitcase with a change of clothes, but once you get there, you're in your civilian. They keep you in the same civilian clothes that you had on, and and you basically after about 24 hours, they finally start sending you through the uniform line, and you know you get your ish, two pair of boots, you get your two you know set of utilities um and uh you know it's all it's all front loaded as far as like getting your name tapes you have to stencil your own name tapes they sew them on thank god but they you know you have to it all happens in that first night or whatever you just get all your shit squared away so they can get you then they shave your head and they do it's all it's very fast it's like drinking out of a fire hose it's all disorienting it's all happening quickly and and you're not used to you know what's going on not to mention they they turn up the stress level a little bit with with the drill instructors you know going oh Move, move. you know they're barking at you you're like fuck me and you don't want to make any mistakes but you don't know what the fucking rules are and shit's happening they, they tell you you will do this you will do that you will not do this you will not do that is that understood oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh. all right move you know you're like fuck what did he say and you're you know, you're, you're, and it's all part of the it's part of it you know they, they it's all part of it they try to get you off balance they try to but it's part of the breaking down and stripping down you know you're no longer an individual now you're part of this machine and they strip that away and and, and now you just and they they want you to be able to understand orders and how to respond to orders and and instantaneous and da, 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 da. you have to be a good follower before you can be a good leader so you have to understand how to move groups of people from the classroom to the mess hall from the you know from the chow hall back down to the parade deck and if you try to do it willy-nilly or you lose control, people's shit, it's like a bunch of puppies running around, you know, so you have to, there's a reason why you have drill and left face, port arm, and you move it, march, and you, so it's it, it's a process of learning, and, and it's, but you have to learn rapidly, and, and at the three-week mark, they make their first round of fuck yous, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone, really? you're gone. Oh, yeah, they bored you. It's Were called you going, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. How, how similar is that to getting a show picked up or not picked up? <laughs> uh, it's it's way more stressful, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Way more stressful, yeah. But they, they do. They, they, they uh, at, uh, at the three-week, there's a three-week board, there's a six-week board, a nine-week, and then a 12-week board. And they will, at all three of those boards, if you get called before the board, no one ever comes comes back really yeah you can go up there and try and plead your case to the to the boss man like sir i you know i, I think i belong here because i oh, oh, oh. and they're like well thanks for coming bye holy shit so my platoon we had we started with 64 officer candidates and we graduated 32 so, so they, we, they, we had 50 percent attrition wow yeah so what was the most scared you were in boot camp? Like, what was the point where you're like, "Oh, I think I'm about to break"? Uh, I never, I never had the feeling I was going to break um, mentally or anything. Uh, but I was scared, and I'm not saying I was cocking the yeah, walk. Yeah. I, you know, there was there was fearful moments. I think I screwed up a land navigation course. You're only allowed two failures 
at anything, whether it's a written test, whether it's a failed inspection with your rifle, whether it's a junk on the bunk inspection, whether it's a field exercise, uh, whether it's a physical fitness exercise, you know, like if we do a PFT and you fail, the PFT means physical fitness test, or if we do a combat conditioning course, (laughs) or if we do, there's a, there's a dozen physical fitness things, obstacle course, all, you know, so every day is the final exams. Every single day you're there. If you fail any of them, um, you, you're, you get skylined. If you fail two times, you get boarded. So I failed, like, I think I screwed up the land navigation. The, it was the night land navigation course where they put these mailboxes out in, the, out in the woods and you have to use your compass and you shoot an azimuth and then you have to go find that little mailbox in the woods. And you're going over and down hills, through valleys, over creeks, you know, at night and you're, you're trying to, and, and, and you, then you find the mailbox and on the mailbox is written a number and then you have to write down that number. Then from that mailbox, then you get the next azimuth and you have to shoot another azimuth and head off into the woods to find the next mailbox and the next mailbox and the next mailbox. So anyway, I managed to dick it up and I found the wrong mailbox or whatever. And, and, and then I got set off on a course of <laughs> oh, yeah. a bunch of wrong ones. So anyway, I, I think I failed that night course. Well, then, then that means I can't fail anything else. I can't fuck anything else up for the remainder of the time I'm at OCS. So I, I, I remember I was very nervous because close order drill was hard for me. It was, I was new to it. Like the prior enlisted guys, they, they had already been through boot camp, so they knew pro, close order drill pretty well. I didn't. Yeah. One of the things you have to do is you have to get out in front of the platoon and lead them in close order drill. So, you know. You have to run them through a series of drills. You know, we're going to, it starts out, you have the card. It's like a little three by five card. And it says, all right, we're going to step off, uh, you know, have them do uh, um, right shoulder arms, you know, left face, march, left oblique, right turn. You know, you have all these things that you have to run them through. Well, if you say it on the wrong foot or do it on the wrong foot or give the command at the wrong time, you're going to run your fucking platoon into a wall or they're going to be out of step and it's, yeah. it's, it turns into a clusterfuck. So it's very precision. So I knew that I was not good at this and I knew I couldn't afford to fail anything else. So as we got closer to the you know, the, the exam on that, the review, uh, I, I volunteered to take more fire, uh, fire watch um, because uh, at night we, you know, we had eight hours. You had a mandatory eight hours sleep, you know, well, Reveille was at zero 400, you know, we went to bed like at, I don't know, eight o'clock. And then once you were in your rack, you couldn't get out of your rack unless you were on fire watch. Yeah. So if you were on fire watch, then you could walk up and down the squad bay. Well, I would walk up and down the squad bay practicing my drill, you know, practicing when to give the preparatory command, when really? to give the execution command on what foot, all this stuff. Now, I lost an hour of sleep, which, by the way, sleep is worth gold at OCS because they run you so fucking ragged. Yeah. You know, you, when you get in that rack, you just fall asleep. It's, you're just out. Um, but I would give up an hour every fucking night and volunteer to take Firewatch so I could get my fucking drill down. And it paid off. I fucking, I did great on the drill. Really? Yeah, but it cost me an hour of sleep every night. But also, everybody in my platoon thought I was fucking great because it's like, this fucking guy is an idiot. He's volunteering for fire, you know, watch. What? Yeah. <laughs> Jerk off. You know, and I would take other guys' fire watch and they'd be like, thank you, because they wanted to sleep. But I, I knew if I didn't fucking do it, I'd fail and I wouldn't fucking graduate. So you just make your choices. Make your decisions. Wow. that Yeah, you know, it's amazing. As I hear you talk about it, I realize how ingrained that experience is in your DNA. Huh. Like, like, you know, 
when you there I, I I there was a period of time where I was obsessed with uh, the videos of fake marine getting called out by real marine at target you ever see those oh i've heard about them yeah, yeah. it's like that's uh stolen valor thing. yeah yeah yeah, yeah there yeah. was a guy there was a guy who was doing stand-up at it out of uh i won't say the city but there's a guy who was doing stand-up who was talking about being a marine uh-huh. on stage but he was doing it for the applause break okay like i'm sure maybe he did something uh-huh. but he was at the bar i was at the bar and there was a marine there it was like said something like what what da da dot are you yeah. and the guy didn't know the right way and immediately the guy's like yo man and it's 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 a it's it's like saying hey do you speak spanish and someone yeah. goes oh yeah see si. and then and yeah and then they <laughs> say something in spanish you're like oh i don't actually really speak spanish and but i when when you talk like this i hear how ingrained it is in your dna yeah. how how hard was it to what was your instinct when you got out of this experience and got into comedy and realized what an alternative world comedy is. What was your instinct with showing, sharing that side of yourself with them? With the Marines? No, with, with the or, comics. Like, cause I, I remember oh. when I got into comedy, I was a meathead. Like I was like, a, I, I was in a, I was the number one party animal in the country. <laughs> I love it. Rolling Stone magazine wrote a six and a half page article about me calling me the number one party animal in the country. That's fucking Oh yeah. Wrong. Oliver Stone option the rights to my life. <laughs> Yeah, I was the number one. I was the number one party animal. Like it was, it was a big deal. How did they? That is awesome, by the way. Oh, how thanks. the how did how did they gauge that? What's the criteria? What's uh, the what's the metrics on? That? They just wrote an article about me. That's it. They just they were they went to they Florida, must have followed you around. They went to Florida State to write an article about um about the number one party school, and they were like, we need like a liaison, and so then they oh my god they called around and a bunch of people said, oh you got to stay with Bert, you should stay with Bert, and then he called me. <laughs> And I was in the middle of a bong hit, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is like written in the stars, man." Yeah, and he was like, "He was like, oh my god, are you, you're taking a bong hit?" And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Can I stay with you for a week?" I was like, "Yeah, stay with me for a week." And I just partied with him. You know, it's like this is back before the internet, really. So you couldn't, you, like, if you if if you had someone there, you did stuff with them. You couldn't like just sit on your couch, right? It's you so, had to, you had to interact, yeah. with the people you were with, yeah. And so yes, I, I remember this, those days. <laughs> yeah, I spoke to this man for seven days straight, and he was like, and then they came back and they're like, "We're just going to make the article about you." And so, in the article, I said I wanted to be a comedian. I did stand up once in Tallahassee, and uh, and then I was like, "Fuck it, I'm moving to New York." But when I got to New York, I was v- acutely aware of how. L- how different my upbringing was than everyone else. Mm. And like, and getting there, I was like, I remember I hadn't, I remember I realized I hadn't really read a book. Like, I'm sure that you'd read books and stuff, but like I, I, I hadn't really read books and I didn't get references that people said. And I, <laughs> and like, and I was like, whoa. And like things that were like, I remember I, I said faggot uh-huh. and, and uh, you couldn't say faggot on stage. And I was like, I was like, whoa. I mean, you could really, and I think people did, but in the village, you didn't, you definitely didn't make gay jokes. And I was like, that was like the biggest Not unless you thing. were gay. Yeah, unless you were gay. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I remember being like, well, and then I remember friends coming up and being like, uh, I remember one of my friends like, dude, you got to tell like black jokes, racist jokes about black people. And I was like, hey man, I think that that part of life that happened in Florida doesn't happen everywhere. <laughs> right. And so like what part of you going into UCB yeah. was like, Almost like, and I, I don't know if this is, but I can only imagine that 
being a Marine at UCB is almost a hindrance as opposed to like, had you been, you know, oh, my parents were both transgender. UCB is like, okay, now you fit in. You know what I mean? You know, absolute, uh, actually the opposite. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I got to, uh, uh, I got to New York. I was still on active duty. Okay. So I was active. What's that? Is, that, is that almost like, is that almost like, like not having your visa cleared? Like you never know if you can feel like you're at home. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it means you, you, you are full time active duty. You're not, you know, in the reserves. You're not, they don't just call you. You are subject to your Marine 24 seven. So I, I, uh, I was a captain at the time. I had moved up there from North Carolina, uh, and with the intent of pursuing comedy and acting. So when I got up, but I didn't know jack shit. I didn't know anything. I just knew I was in New York and I was, it was time to try this. And so I, uh, I remember the first thing I did, I found a stand up, uh, the comic strip live on the Upper East Side. Yeah. Um, and there was a guy there, oh, DJ's, I want to say like DJ, DJ Sweeney. No, DJ Sweeney. Yeah, Sweeney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. I mean, no, he's fine. But he was teaching a stand up class, right? So I was like, well, this is where it begins. This is where the journey begins. So I went in and, and I, paid my money i sat down and i'm sitting in the you know thing and i'm, I'm all excited because this is happening and i've got my high and tight you know i'm still active duty marine so i was i would work in my marine office right there in manhattan from uh you know seven to five every day and then i would go home like everybody else um and uh I, but i i would go pursue comedy so i went down to competition live I always visualized comedy and stand-up the way I want to do it was more storytelling like Eddie Murphy delirious okay that's what I grew up seeing and thinking this is amazing or Bill Cosby himself yeah. telling stories yep. you know those were the those were amazing to me and DJ was of the school of three jokes per minute stand up uh, a setup punch setup punch setup punch and that's how we do comedy kids yeah and I remember thinking well but that's not how I want to do it I want to tell stories and he kind and I was green I was naive I'd really never done this kind of stuff before and I was scared and so you know when you're in that situation this guy is your teacher you kind of you acquiesce to what he his what he wants and so I I kind of shelved what I secretly wanted to do yeah. or, or what I thought it was me and I tried to do it his way and I hated it and I fucking sucked oh, I was it's, it's the worst way to do stand-up I was like I don't even know how to write this stuff I don't even know you know so I was coming up with just what I considered corny hacky average shit well at the end of this class you get to get up and give do a five-minute show that's your thing and you got to bring some people well fuck that i wasn't bringing anybody i didn't want anybody to know about this so yeah. i was like fuck you the worst part of yeah. the bringer shows yeah. is when you're at your worst you tell your friends to, <laughs> to come. come i'm like i'm no one seeing me until i'm ready for someone to see me yeah but i saw so did you bring your people i'm like yeah they should be here any minute fuck you i'm not yeah. you know and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know. I just fucking moved to town. You know, yeah. I want to tell two Marines in my office. No, fuck that. <sighs> so I was like, all right. So I got up and I did it his way. And I remember getting up on that stage and I had an adrenaline rush wash over me that I had never had before. And it made me lightheaded. It sounds silly, but I, it was really, it was a fight or flight type of adrenaline rush. Yeah. And I couldn't fight and I couldn't run and I had to stand there 
And it, so it actually turned into more of a fight than a flight because I couldn't leave. I was yeah. on stage. Yeah. Know? So it turned into a, uh, that kind of where I had to just do it. Yeah. And they videotape you back then. This is back in the uh, late 90s. So they videotaped me. And I came off the stage and really unaware of what happened. I mean, it sounds so stupid. No, oh, no, no. But no. It, it, it really, I was kind of unaware of what happened. Yeah. They handed me the VHS tape and I went and sat at the bar and I ordered a Jack and Coke, double it. And I fucking power drank. I drank it like it was just Coke. And I powered it home and I was like, fuck. And then I thought, that sucked. I hate this. I made the biggest mistake of my life because I quit flight school in the Marines so that I could set myself up to pursue comedy and acting. So I was like, I just fucked up. I could be flying planes right now. I could be flying. I could be flying. Yeah. I could be fucking Top Gun. And what am I doing? I'm sitting up here in New York. I just fucked up. I fucked up. This is bad news because I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. The fear was way more than I thought it was going to be. The comedy, I didn't like the style. I just, I was like, nothing fits. This is like a small shirt and I have to wear it out in public and I fucking hate it. So... I'm down on myself. I'm down on the whole thing. I go back. I watch the VHS. It went fine. It, it was not as bad as I had made it out to be, but yeah. I, I was so unaware of myself. Like, I was like, that's the look you gave, and that's the things you said, and those were your, it, oh, I don't remember any of it. Like, it was, I was just trying to get through the damn thing. So anyway, I'm, I'm down. I'm out. I'm bummed out, and I'm lamenting to a couple close friends, and... um one of the friends that I'm lamenting to says, you know, I got a friend. You should reach out to him and talk to him about comedy because I think he could maybe help. And I was like, ah. at that point, I'm desperate. So I'm like, yeah, who? It's my friend, Dave Keckner. Oh, and I go, I go, okay. But I go, he's doesn't, he doesn't have time to talk to me. He's on Saturday Night Live. He like, I'm going to be, this is like the most annoying thing I could do to this guy. But... I, like I said, I was fucking desperate and this was a close personal friend, you know, so it was, there was a, a, a good connection. It wasn't like, yeah, but it was still a cold call. It was still a cold call. So I fucking called him and I said, Hey Dave, I'm sorry to bother you. My name's Rob. I'm a friend of so-and-so's. Um, anyway, they said I, you might be able to maybe help me as far as just understanding where I should start. Cause I'm trying to get started in this business or in comedy or yeah. whatever. And Dave couldn't have been more patient and more understanding. He's like, all right, well, he goes, well, what are you doing? Tell me what you're doing. So I, I said, I, I told the story that I just told you. Yeah. And he, he goes, oh, well shit. He goes, you need to try improv. It sounds like that's what you are maybe looking for. And I said, well, yeah. You know, because I, I thought I was going to go to Second City in Chicago and all this stuff. And he goes, well, listen, I've got some friends that literally just moved out here last year. And they started a little theater, uh, you know, downtown or whatever. And it, it, they're called the Upright Citizens Brigade, the UCB. Oh, my God. And that's I, the You're there at the very beginning. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, OK. And he goes, go down. They, they do a show every Sunday night called Cat. Go down and check out the show. And if you like what you see. Go up and talk to the guys afterward. Matt Walsh, Besser, Amy, Polar, you know, uh, these guys. Uh, tell them you're friends with me. They know me. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're teaching classes and stuff. So if you like what you see, go talk to them and sign up for their classes. 
So I went down and I, I watched their ass cat show. Dude, this is this is outliers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's not about privilege. It just happens yeah. to be that you show up. Yeah. You're looking for direction mm-hmm. at a time that I would argue for the most important people in improv comedy or sketch comedy are looking to give direction. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was it was wonderful. It was. It was a, a very lucky. And I hate to use luck because nope, people Nope. Nope. I I believe in luck more than hard work. Do you? Oh yeah. Well, I I think there's both. I think there's both. I think I, there's both. Yes. I think you work hard to put yourself in a position for luck to occur. Yep. I agree with that, but I I get very frustrated. Um and I use Kevin Hart as an example because I know him. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. But I use Kevin Hart as an example. Like I get frustrated when I see Kevin talk about hard work is the reason he's successful. Now, I guarantee you he does work hard. He works harder than anybody I've ever seen. But there are a lot of people that work really hard that aren't successful. Do they have the talent? Because yeah. there's a lot of factors. It yeah, can't there's just a lot of be, factors. It can't just be hard work. It can't just be hard work, but man, luck is running neck and neck with hard work well there's a there's a again more cliches out there but one of them is luck is uh preparation meeting opportunity yeah if it when preparation meets opportunity that's luck well preparation is just another word for hard work you know you you get your you get yourself prepared by working hard and working at your craft and working at your comedy and working at your skills and and working at networking and meeting people and all of that is preparation eventually you do all that prep work opportunities will present themselves yeah. now whether you make the most of those whether you fuck those up whether you're a dick to people whether you show but, up drunk whether you show up you know all those are what, that's what you make of it yeah. but if you are prepared those opportunities will present themselves. Now, if you make the most of that, boom, there's your luck. And yeah. there's your fucking, that's how you uh, get a break. And that's how you, and then once you get one break, there's no finish line. You're not done. Yeah. That's just one fucking break. Just one break. You need more you, luck. You got to build on that. You need another break and another yeah. break. And, and that just, and so it never stops. When I got Saturday Night Live, that was the first gig I ever got, right? I mean, I was two years back from Afghanistan, and I got- Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Get me to- Wait, hold on one second. You went to Afghanistan? Yes. Okay, hold on. Okay, so you're going to do UCB. Okay, yeah. So anyway, so I go down and watch the ASCAT show at UCB, and it it was like I was Jim Belushi at the Triple Rock in Blues Brothers. You know, the sun, the light came through and hit me, and I was like, do you see the light? I was like, yes, because it really was one of those moments where I was like, this is- Amazing! They were so fucking funny, so fucking talented. What year is this? Ninety. This would have been ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. I just moved to New York. Ninety-seven. The, the uh, if I, I would argue, had I discovered sketch and improv uh-huh. first, I probably would have never gotten into stand-up. I didn't even know that was a possibility. Yeah. Because I think that is Well, that's more, how I was. When yeah. I showed up, I thought I got to do stand-up. That's how it is. I, I, when I did stand-up, I, I was a lot like you in the sense that I did not, I didn't know how to write set-up punch. I couldn't even yeah. wrap my head around it, but I knew I could tell you a story. Like, <laughs> yes. And so like my first joke was uh, about taking acid and going to Disneyland, but it wasn't a joke. And I remember people telling me, you're not doing it right. And I was like, I don't know how to do it the way you do it. Yeah. But I can tell you a, an eight-minute story. By the way, as a open micer, yeah, like I, I can tell you a story, and then that 
I, I, I think I did that when I started and then I got beaten into writing jokes uh-huh. and that's that special comfortably dumb is more more jokes than I would have ever put in my last special there's no fucking jokes there's not I don't there's not oh there's two jokes but like that's only two jokes because it's in the story of me telling a joke well and there, there's so much truth to what you just said like telling a story is great and that's how I like to do it too I, my stuff was all personal stories yeah but there is an element where you can't be self-indulgent you can't just be like I'm gonna tell you story that i love yeah. and it's about me no you have to fill it out with some fucking humor yeah and you have to fill it out with some comedy and some surprises and you have to be like it can't just be oh i have a great story great we all have great stories now can you make it funny and so there is a, there is a mixing of the worlds it's it's, it's always a hybrid everything's a fucking hybrid and so how way. long were you in ucb before like before you before you go to afghanistan Oh shit! I mean, I was in. I, I started well that night after I saw Ass Cat. I yeah. went up right up afterward, and I was I, I was so impressed and blown away. I went right up to Matt Walsh and I said, "Hi, I'm Bob Riggle. Uh, I'm a friend of Dave Kegner's." Uh, and he goes, "Oh yeah, Dave said you might be swinging by." And I was like, "Yeah, I want to take classes. When do we start?" And he's like, uh, "Well, shit, man. We 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 teach. You know, we have three levels: level one, two, and three. Uh, yeah, sign up. Give me your email address, and we'll get you in the next wave." And I go, "How much is it?" And he's like. Uh, eight eight weeks, three hundred bucks or something. I was like, done. You know, I mean, <laughs> I was I was so fucking in. It was unbelievable. And that's it, man. I took. They only offered three levels back then, and I took all three levels twice, so that I could get all four teachers. So I could get Besser. So I could get Walsh. So I could get Ian Roberts. So I could get Amy Poehler as teachers. I wanted to learn all. I wanted to learn from all of them. I wanted to learn their philosophies, their styles, you know, how they approach things, everything. Cause it was this wonderful world. And I, I did okay. You know, like I got up and I improvised a scene and I could strap on a character. I could, I just instinctually knew that world instinctually. Now it was raw and I made mistakes and I fucked up and I did things, but that's all part of the learning. It's crawl, walk, run, you know, you got to start yeah. somewhere. Um, but I, I, I learned and I grew and after I did the courses, uh, I got on a house team and then I started playing with them and then we started writing sketch shows and then I started teaching there and then, you know, like all this was happening. Wow. Now, while that's happening, I'm still on active duty in the Marines. So I got called. I had, I had to go over to Albania to help with the refugee crisis there. Uh, and then I went into Kosovo to keep the peace there after we bombed the shit out of them. Oh my God. I completely so, forgot about Kosovo. Yeah. So I was in, I was in, so I had to take, you know, I think I think I was gone for four or five months there uh, during that time and then came back um, and then 9-11 happened um, and I was I had just left active duty but I was still in the reserves so my reserve unit was in Manhattan I was the only reserve unit in Manhattan so I was activated wow. the night of September 11th and because they closed the bridges and the tunnels we reported my unit was called up on the night of September 11th and said tomorrow morning you'll report to ground zero in your utilities uh, boots and utes and uh, uh, we're going to start meet at one police plaza and we'll go in from there and we're going to start working on the rubble piles so from what a from September life experience September 12th to the 18th I worked on I worked down at ground zero on the rubble on the bucket brigades moving rubble by hand and buckets uh, because there were six stories of rubble you know it, 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 the whole downtown area was just it was dust it was papers and it was it was ruined and burned out uh, uh fire vehicles and it looked it looked post-apocalyptic it looked like nothing i've ever seen before and on a massive real scale it wasn't a hollywood set it was 
this unbelievable, horrific tragedy. And we knew that, you know, thousands of this is a graveyard for thousands of people. Um, and we didn't know how, if there were any survivors underneath the, the, the all this rubble. And we couldn't bring in heavy machinery for fear of cave-ins because we thought there might be people under there. You're 26 at the time? 28? No, I'm, I'm uh, 30. Okay. Uh, um, and I was, I was still a captain. And so we worked. We worked down there for a while, um, and then uh, and then they moved me up to one police plaza so I could help coordinate the military civilian efforts. Because then they started doing search and recovery as opposed to search and rescue. And uh, anyway, uh, so I was I was pissed. Everybody was pissed in America. We just gotten sucker punched in the worst way possible. I was a everybody. I don't know if you remember that time. It's very tricky. But uh, if you think back to that time, everybody wanted to do something. Everybody yeah. wanted to do something. Can I give blood? Can I give clothes? Can I give food? Like everybody wanted to contribute yeah. in some way. Well, I was a captain in the Marine Corps. You know, I, I knew I could contribute. I had a I had a green badge, which is a very high security clearance for my job. I knew they were going to need people. You know, we were about to start something big. It was very clear. No, you don't get to just fucking attack America and no, no repercussions. There's, you, It's not going to happen. So I knew they were going to need people. So I volunteered to go back on active duty. I put my hand in the air. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, you, okay, that, okay. Here's I, I've been looking for this virgins of pass. <laughs> Immediately. I would think, and, I, and I'm going to say this out loud. I say stupid shit, but I would definitely go, fuck, I'm doing so good in this business. F why now? Like, do I, like, I got to give up on my dream to, because these assholes bombed a building. Yeah, but it, you, I hear what you're saying, but it was bigger than that. It was, you know, to me. Well, I didn't, I mean, I didn't yeah, go and volunteer. Like, I didn't, yeah. like, you look at, like, guys like Pat Tillman who give up their dream to serve a bigger purpose, and you go, and you, I look at them admirably and go, I don't know if I got that. Yeah. I'm it, selfish. I'm, I am the problem with this country. No, like, you're not. I definitely no, am. No, I definitely, I just bought a gun. I'm definitely a problem <laughs> with this country. But, like, but like I, I would, I would, I would have been torn if someone said, now, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. And sure. I don't know if it's accurate. I don't know. I, I don't remember. But if someone said, you need to put your comedy career on hold uh -huh. to go to Afghanistan, I would have been like, I'm, I'm going to lose momentum. You guys don't understand how important momentum is. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I just, I felt, uh, I don't know. I felt it was a moment in history. It was, it, it was the biggest thing that was probably ever going to happen. You don't have to defend this. Like, no, 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 no. Like, like, but like I, I'm, goes, I'm trying, just trying I'm, to explain where I was coming. I think it was just. It I was, think you're just one of those dudes. Well, whatever it was, I did volunteer. So, I, and they, it didn't take long. Central Command picked me up on November 10th. Yeah. Uh, which I remember because it's the Marine Corps birthday. Um, I reported to Central Command in Tampa, Florida, which is in charge of the Middle East. That's Central Command. McDill Air Force Base. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I reported there on November 17th. And then uh, November 30th, I was in Afghanistan. And this is 2001. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, well, okay. Whoa. You're in. A, you're like first feet in Afghanistan. Early. I wasn't first, but I yep. was definitely one of the early. We, we hadn't even taken the southern part of the country yet. I, when I got there, we were in Masri Sharif in the northern Afghanistan. Um, interesting story. Uh, and I'll try to make it. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. 
So they sent me forward. I was a captain at the time. They sent me forward. I ended up joining 3rd Battalion, 5th Special Forces Group, which is an Army unit. And I'm a Marine, but I came from Central Command, so it's one big, happy, purple family. So I ended up joining this unit, right, uh, working for them in a public affairs, civil affairs capacity. Um, and helping out the commanding officer there who was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bowers. And I used to brief him every morning, used to brief him every evening. And I would go out in town. I work with the, the local uh, mullahs and work with the local um, uh, the heads of, you know, the whatever communities or whatever and, and the warlords. Um, and I would try to help get schools built, roads redone, you know, try to help them with their life, winning hearts and minds type stuff. So anyway, um, cut to this year. Movie comes out called 12 Strong. It's about the 3rd Battalion, 5th Special Forces Group, guys that go into Afghanistan, first guys into Afghanistan. Chris Hemsworth, Michael Pena, uh, Michael Shannon, we're all in it. Yeah. Um, and it's their story, which is about their fight when, when we joined the Northern Alliance, took the fight to the Taliban. And their story takes place in October of 2001. And I arrived in November of 2001. So, um, I, I'm in that movie, 12 strong, and I play Lieutenant Colonel Max Bowers, my former boss, the guy that I used to report to every day. Oh, shut <laughs> the fuck up. Yeah. So wait, when you went into audition, you're like, I, I think I got the part. I think I know the guy. I think I know. He, I'm going to give you a little nuance that you don't remember. He used to drink his coffee like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I like that. I didn't have to audition for it, but I, uh, I did, uh, I did have a very personal connection with the, the character. How so. awesome is yeah. that? So it's a very, it's a weird, random, small world type story. But anyway, going back to what we're talking about, I did my year um, and I went over, I served in Afghanistan. I went over there twice from, my, from McDill. My, my father-in-law is drilling into the fucking wall <laughs> next to us. So I, uh, uh, and then uh, I came home. What's the flight like to Afghanistan from McDill? It's long. Is it? But what, what kind it's of? It's broken up. Uh, you're in a like a C seventeen or a C five. Is, is that like comparable to like a a seven forty seven or? It's the C five is. It's a massive air cargo plane. They can fit uh, Bradleys and tanks and uh, stripped down helicopters uh, in comfortable the comfortable seats. Yeah, they're fine. They're nothing special, you know. But it is what it is. You can yeah. get up and move around a little bit, which is okay. nice. Um. Yeah, I think we fly. You fly over to Germany, then Germany to Turkey, then Turkey on into Afghanistan. So it's got a lot of legs. It takes a long time to get there. Um, I actually went through Uzbekistan uh, into K two and then down in. So because there it was, and it's a whole long story. Yeah. Anyway, I got back uh, at the end of two thousand and two, uh, beginning of two thousand three. Got back to New York, and then I got on Saturday Night Live uh, in two thousand four. So when you come back. Are you are you done the Marines? No, no, I'm still I'm still in the reserves. Uh, but do I was, you get to tell them I have dreams also? <laughs> no, they don't care. <laughs> they don't give a but shit. But like, how do you like? How can you how, like? You come back. You're still in the reserves. But do you know you're not going back? No. So you audition for Saturday Night Live. You get Saturday Night Live. The biggest goal, probably, of any comedian. But, yeah, it was one of the it was one of the reasons I set out on this on that journey was I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. And you get Saturday Night Live. How do you get the guarantee? Like, how do you tell them? Like, hey, just so you know, this is. Please don't send me back. I'm really. Oh, Uncle Sam doesn't give a shit about my dreams. Shut up. It does, they don't care at all. But I did just do a year. I just got recalled, uh, and I did a year. It would be very hard for them to recall me again, right away. 
it would okay. be difficult. Yeah. It'd be very difficult to do that. Um, so I kind of felt like I had a window of time. Um, and, uh, uh, so anyway, so I, 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 but I was back now. I had done my year tour. Uh, and now I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go back and pick up where I left off, which is pursuing comedy and acting full throttle, man. I am like the, I'm, you know, it's so funny. There, I always thought we were similar guys, and I think there are similarities. Yeah. Man, you're a very different cut of human being than I am. <laughs> I'm as selfish as fuck. Like I'm, like, we all are. No, I think <laughs> that's like people go. Uh, like people always say to me, "I'll drink you under the table." I go, "I don't think you know what you're getting up against." <laughs> like I'm, I'm, like we're doing. I, I can't say it, but uh, anyway, I'm not. Uh, I don't think I am as selfless as you. I don't like, what, what was your audition for Saturday night live? Like, uh, it was painful. Um, um, you, you know how they do the, the way they do it is they, um, or at least the year I did it. And I think they, they do it pretty consistently, but they, they invite people from all over the country. They, they go to, they invite people from LA, basically Lauren. And at the time, like shoemaker and Higgins, you know, and Tina, uh, they're the big, they're the head shed, so to speak, the head writer and the main producers. And they kind of walk around and they talk to the writers and they talk to the cast and they say, you know, hey, who should we be looking at? You know, who, who's out there that we need to know about? And you'll, they'll get feedback. You know, the writers will all say me. <laughs> yeah. or, or, you know, or uh, I think it was uh, Horatio Sands and Amy Poehler said, uh, you ought to take a look at Rob Riggle. And I think that's how I got the invite really? to audition. Um and and so I'm very grateful for that. So I, that's how you get the opportunity. I got the invite because what they do is they go around and they'll invite five people from L.A., five people from Chicago, a couple people from Toronto, maybe now a couple people from Vegas and a, and a handful from uh, from New York. And they, they'll say, OK, everybody flies in. They all fly everybody into New York. You get into New York. They say um, they put you up in a hotel unless you live in New York. Then, they, you know. But they don't tell you the first night is at a, at a club. First night's at a club. And if you're a stand-up, do your best five to seven minutes. Whatever your best five to seven minutes is, that's what they want to see. If you're an improviser, they want to see you do three characters and three impersonations. One-minute monologues for each. Okay? So I was an improviser, so I was like, all right, so I got to create three characters and do three impersonations. Well, I'm not an impersonator, so I'm more of a, a character guy. Yeah. So I'll... I'll do characterizations. That's how, I mean, I kind of, I always view Will Ferrell's uh, George W. Bush. That's more of a characterization. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. A, you know, than a classic Daryl Hammond impersonation. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, they call you, they say, okay, the first night is going to be Thursday night. Uh, we will call you an hour before and tell you where. Because they don't want the New York people stacking the house with all their friends and family, so oh. they're dying laughing at their shit and That's, nobody else's. Oh shit! So it's a, it's a very hush hush. Very, they don't tell anybody. They give everybody the same notice. They call you one hour, and they say that gives you enough time to get wherever the fuck this place is in Manhattan. So they call and they say comic strip uh, live Upper East Side. So I'm like, hey, I know that fucking place. I'm old stomping grounds. Yeah. So I was sitting in a coffee shop 
in Manhattan just waiting for the call. And they call and they say, that's where you're 82nd and 2nd or whatever. I don't know what it was, 81st and 2nd. I don't know. Yeah. So I said, okay. Uh, and I jump in a cab and I haul ass to there. Get there. Everybody's converging. There's about 15 of us. Do you remember people that were in the audition with you? Yeah. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Um, uh, a couple of guys that ended up being writers on the show. Yeah. Um, some really good stand-ups, uh, but I can't remember their name off the yeah. top of my head, but I remember their faces. So we get there and they say, okay, you know, if you're here for what, you, you know, again, don't talk about it, but if you're here for what we think you're here for, come over here. So we, we all kind of, uh, everybody put your name in the hat. We all put our name in the hat, mix it all up. Yeah. Uh, first person up, draw the name out, Rob Riggle. I was like, fuck me. I got to be first. Yeah. Fuck you. No, this is bullshit. The crowd's going to be cold. They're not going to be warmed up. I'm going to go. They're not. They're expecting to see stand up. And I'm yeah, going to come out there and do characters. Character, yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So I'm having this fucking meltdown of screaming, fuck you and fuck this. And this is bullshit. I'm, it's all internal. I'm not saying yeah. anything. No, I got poker face. I'm like, all right, sounds good. You know, but I'm just as pissed as I can be. But I got to shake that shit off. Yeah. Right. Because I'm not going to be my best self if I'm, if I'm still having a fit. Yeah. So I, I go outside and I walk around a little bit. You know, do a little once around the block because we had time before this thing started. And I'm I'm doing all the fucking self coaching I can. You know, yeah. this is good. This is a good thing. You're going to go out there. You're going to rock it. You know, because you got to do that shit. You 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 know you cannot you gotta, yeah. allow yourself to get dragged down. You got to try to find the positive. In you going got first. it. You got it. exactly. So I fucking get up there. They introduce me. I come up and I just do what I got to do. I do my fucking characters. Uh, I'd, I'd rehearse some, you know, monologues and, you know, got some some funny bits that I thought worked. And for these different characters, I tried to show a range, you know, of characters and stuff. Um, I tried to be timely. Uh, I was like, what's in the news this week? You know, so it shows that I can be timely. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Shockey, who was a tight end for the New York Giants at the time, had gotten himself in trouble during training camp uh by saying something i don't know something homophobic or something yeah i remember that so so i uh i i played jeremy shockey because i was a big guy at the time so i was like i can pull off a football player so then i just i did some bit about that you know um he was basically him apologizing for his remarks and talking about how much uh, he loves working out with the dudes and it was basically how much how gay was how gay he was (laughs) Um, but anyway, so I, I, I tried to show this range of characters and timeliness and da, 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 da. And I, and I, I did my shit. I did six minutes and I got the fuck off the stage and that's all you can do. Yeah. Everybody else, all the other 14 got up and did their stuff too. Um, and, uh, even my partner, Rob Hubel, uh, comedy partner of mine, uh, he auditioned as well that night. Um, the then then that's it then uh lauren michaels is sitting out there tina Fey sitting out there uh michael shoemaker and uh and higgins uh is sitting out there and they're watching you know and they're taking notes and they're da, 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 da. and the deal is they will call you if you're coming back the next day mm-hmm. so i was like okay well shit so everybody does their stuff. We're all standing out on the curb, smoking cigarettes, and you know, congratulating each other, and you know, trying to be positive and happy. And and here comes Lauren. Here comes Tina. They all come out. They get in their cars. They're gone. You're like, shit. Wow. Okay. Shit. Who knows? You know. So I start going home. I'm walking home, and my phone rings, 
and uh, they're like hey it's uh it's whoever you you did great uh, uh we loved it uh we want you to come in tomorrow to 30 rock uh and uh, at this time and uh we're gonna do it again and i was like okay so i knew i made it to the second phase a lot of people from that night then there was like 15 of us i'd say they called back maybe five of us really yeah so the others were just said thanks so much for coming out we really appreciate it there's your plane ticket home you know that was that yeah so i was like all right so i'm 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 at least i'm here made made it the second phase second time you go up you go into studio 8h you know where the host walks out for the the opening monologue that's where you come out they have one camera on you a cameraman and and a floor manager uh, and they have a picnic table set up over there uh, where the crowd, where the audience usually is. And again, it's Lauren, Tina, Shoemaker, and Higgins, and they're all sitting there. Maybe one other, a couple senior writers, maybe. And they've already seen your, they've already seen your shit. You know, they saw it last night in a club full of people. So they, they're, you know, they tell you, don't be surprised if nobody laughs. You know, they've already seen your stuff. They've seen everything, by the way. So, you know, don't be bummed out if they don't laugh. It's not a big deal. Just do your stuff. The camera's on you so that everybody back in all the NBC executives back in Burbank can watch you. And they, you know, they're going to weigh in on this, too. So you're really kind of performing for the camera and and uh, and see how you look on TV and how you do and, and for the Burbank people. So I was like, oh, OK, yeah, that, I appreciate that. That helps. And then they walk you out. They get you wired for, you know, they put the wire on you and they walk you out and they say, okay, you're going to come through the thing and you're going to do all this. Great, great. And by the way, cut it down a little bit. Don't you, last night was, uh, you know, five to seven minutes. Uh, Try and get it down to four minutes if you can. So now you're having to kind of stress out about like, well, do I, what do I cut? What do I, do I cut that character? Do I cut this? Do I, shit. And then you're like, what do they want to see? And you don't know what the fuck they want, but you just start playing these mind games. I think it's built in. I think it's built in to stress you out because you're, they're testing you to see if you can handle live fucking TV. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a stress case. It's not, yeah. it's not gentle. You know, shit's live. It's not live to tape. It's live to the fucking country. So you go out there, uh, you go on stage. Uh, Lauren was very nice. He got, he came up and shook my hand and said, mm, Rob, you did a very nice job last night. Uh, do you have any questions for me? Mm. No, I don't. Uh, uh, okay, great. We'll just uh, you know do your thing and have fun. And then he went and sat down, and, and uh, you, know, you know your head's spinning a little bit. But here it goes, and you get out there and you say that first joke, and it's fucking silence. What was your first joke? Do you remember? No, I don't. Oh. But uh, I just remember the silence. Can I tell you what my first joke would have been if I were you? <laughs> what? Uh, I just got back from serving in Afghanistan. I'm going to start now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys I... realize what a sacrifice I'm fucking giving this goddamn country. <laughs> fucking please. Be... <laughs> I have no idea. That might have turned him off, actually. You never oh, know. I fucking, oh my God. <laughs> I would have been like, I have busted my fucking ass to get here. I can be called away at any fucking moment. <laughs> so, I, but the, the, I did say that thing and and it's crickets yeah except for the god blessed cameraman oh the cameraman i see him i see his shoulders rocking and i see him kind of moving and that was all i needed because my heart i don't give a fuck who you are you drop that first joke in this silence you start your, panicking your heart rate shoots through the fucking ceiling it just yeah. woo, and, and then you start speeding through your shit and you, you you lose all that good comedic sense yeah and that that cameraman giving me the giving me the chuckle helped me 
bring it back a little bit and and i got through my shit i cut out some things moved on and and then you leave and then he says thank you and then you leave and you don't hear shit yeah. for like a week or two you're just kind of walking around going for like two weeks you're not hearing anything about nothing, your audition nothing you don't hear fuck you don't hear fuck all so i'm like okay well i guess it didn't happen yeah uh bummer you know i, I my dream I saw it. I tasted it. I yeah. looked at it. I stood on the stage, but I guess nothing, huh? And then it happens. The phone. I was standing in line. Uh, I just had a baby with my my wife. Just had the baby. Oh my god! Yeah, it's stressful. It's a stressful time in my life. Very stressful. I got to provide for everybody. So I'm I'm look, I'm thinking about going back on active duty. Like I'm like I got to provide. I fucking Holy I'm on the hook shit. here. Shit! You just had a baby. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, my wife is with the baby and I'm getting us dinner and I'm standing in line and the phone rings and it's very presidential. Um, hello, th- is this Rob Riggle? Yes. Please stand by for a call from Lauren Michaels. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> when your heart drops. That's like, when you're like, well, I'd been told, I'd been told by some people if Lauren calls, it's a good sign because Lauren never fucking gives bad news. He only gives good news. It's good. It's good to be the king. So I was like, well, shit, if Lauren is calling, that's fucking good news. Yeah. So I was like, so I kind of, I didn't want to get too excited, but I got excited and he came on and was very nice. He was like, Rob, we loved what you did. Very original, uh, very funny. Um, We enjoyed it a lot. Um, We just uh, was wondering if you would be interested in joining the cast this year. And I said, (sighs) I was standing in a line we can uh, have the baby <laughs> and i was like fuck yeah i mean i was all happy and i was very still gung-ho a little gung-ho marinish i was like i'm gonna work so hard for you sir it's gonna be the best and he's like take it easy basically <laughs> you know, back, yeah, yeah he's like take it easy nerd so i was like uh uh but i was like thank you thank you and it was the greatest one of the great besides graduating officer candidate school and besides having a baby and all those other there was some that is definitely one of the moments in my life where i was like I felt like I did something. I, I had set a goal and I accomplished it against really tremendous odds. And But I did it. And it was just this wonderful feeling kind of washed over me. And it, it was very peaceful. And then it wasn't peaceful. <laughs> it, was, oh, yeah. it was peaceful. Then, then it, it wasn't. Starts and it's yeah, because then it was game on. Shit. And then, you know, and again, this was my first fucking gig. Saturday Night is my first gig. You know, talk. I couldn't your be. First, oh, I that's your first gig. Mine was on FX. Yeah, I, I, I mean, talk about green. I couldn't be any fucking greener. You know, I, I, I couldn't be in this business. So, it was, it was awesome. And I, now look, I only did a year there, and but it was a glorious year. I had a great time. I learned so much. I made great friendships. Um, I, I feel like I deserved a second year. It didn't happen for a multitude of reasons, which I understand, but I don't hold any ill will or anything like that. And I was blessed because then I got to go onto the daily show yeah. and, and it's do almost and a do, bigger platform. At argue. that time it kind of was, but it was, it was just a, it was great. I got, I'm a, I'm a member of that, uh, Saturday night live fraternity. Yeah. Um, I have my picture on the wall. I'm an alumni. I can go back for after parties. <laughs> you know, I can go to the show. I can do things. Um, it's 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 very it's nice. It's just nice. And I got in and I got out before I got too scarred. Because a lot of people go on that show and you they get 
they get beat up, you know. Brace them. Yeah, and you, and you never hear from them or see them again, or they're never quite the same comedically or whatever yeah. it is. So I feel like I got the I got the best of both worlds on that deal. That's crazy. I'm going to make sure that we're at 11 o'clock. I know you got to get out of here Ugh. at like 15, but I want to talk to you. I want to ask you because I feel like I might be fishing in the wrong hole, but I feel like uh, your relationship with your grandfather seems like it was pretty tight. He was, and it wasn't. He was. He's a German farmer. You know, get, you don't get close to German farmers. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> he was. He was. Um, he was a. He he was a kid of the Depression. Yeah. You know, uh, he fought in World War II. He 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 went through so much in his life. Uh, living in rural Missouri. You know, born in 1915. Um, growing up in tough times really tough times um just a dirt farmer in mid-missouri and then going to war what do you mean then, dirt farmer well you know crops oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, i'm so stupid i thought he really farm dirt harvest dirt <laughs> in my head i'm like i guarantee you there is a hipster who is uh who has a farm where they just harvest <laughs> harvest soil uh like dumb and dumber the worm store yeah um, but the uh you know, he he toiled the land basically. You yeah. know, he was a crop farmer, and uh, that's hard work back in the nineteen twenties and thirties. And it was it was a tough tough time. And then he went to war. Then his reward was he went to war uh, for four years. Um, and and I don't know. He just, but he was generous and he was gracious to me and kind. But he he didn't tolerate fools and and uh, he uh, uh, if you he, he he was um what am i was searching for he if he f- if you did him wrong you didn't get a second chance yeah um i'm not i don't think i'm like that i think i'm very forgiving no, but you're but you're very like there you're an anomaly in this business i know you have to know that yeah well, as far as like my 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 journey but yeah, yeah and being a man there are a lot of men in this business <laughs> there are more than you think oh no nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> There's you, you run into one every now and then. Yeah. But I'm talking like a man, like yeah. a like the kind of man who 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 doesn't talk shit when they drive their car because they know that what it's like to be punched. Oh. You know, like there's a lot of men that live in this glass house where they feel like I think that's probably the wrong analogy, but they feel like th- this it's okay to d- humiliate another person on set or Ugh. or you know it's like I've, I've i've worked with some folks like that i know what you're saying there 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 are some bad people out there there's some bad operators yeah there's a lot and this business draws them because i think this yeah, business well, because this business is full of insecurity yeah it's full of insecurity and and the masculine way generally speaking to overcome insecurity is by being a douche yeah <laughs> and it's sad because what makes for great acting, and like I know, trust me, I, I don't know shit, but what I've, what I've learned, my assessment of it is, what makes for good acting is vulnerability. Being vulnerable, being yeah. open to your emotions, which believe me, as a Marine officer, I have spent better half of my life learning to master my emotions as far as control them. Yeah. Not master them in the sense that I can cry now, I can not cry, I can be happy now, I can be sad. No, I'm talking about being in control of my facilities when someone pisses me off or dealing with a difficult person and trying to stay focused on the objective and not get down in the weeds and want to fucking 
fuck this guy over out of spite or whatever but just trying to get where we need to go as a collective or get where i need to go and if i have to deal with this asshole then i'll deal with them so i uh, master your emotions but the truth is is you know being open to your emotions allowing yourself to touch the things that scare you or hurt you um that's where you that's where you have your breakthroughs as far as acting goes i think do you do a lot of uso tours i do uh, i do um uh, I just uh, I, the last one I the last big one I went on was uh, a Christmas tour. We hit six countries in six days, and I was with uh, Meghan Markle, <laughs> who's going to be Prince Princess. You uh, Meghan Markle? Well, she was part of the group. Really? Yeah, it was, it was a great group. Uh, great group. We had uh, Di, uh, Diane Agron. We had Meghan Markle, Brian Erlacher, Doug Fister, and myself. <laughs> Brian Erlacher? How yeah. does his hair look good? Oh, he's a stud. I love Brian. Yeah. He's such a nice guy. He's yeah. a, he seems like a good guy. He's a cool dude, super funny, chill. Um, he's a good guy. When you get on base, do you find yourself getting into old habits of like, do people, do, hang on, wait, when you get on base, do they have to salute you or, or like? No, no, I'm, I'm retired now, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. They, you know, they don't give a shit. Um, uh, I'm a retired lieutenant colonel. Jesus. And, um, 23 years total, uh, nine years active, 14 in the reserves. And uh, now, um, no, if I go on, I'm just, I'm just a civilian now like everybody else. But when they, they go, well, sir, uh, this, is a, this is a chow hall. This is where we go have meals. I'm like, I, I, I got it. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't want to be condescending because I know they're proud of what they want to explain everything yeah. to me. So I, I try to let them explain a lot to me. But when at the you same go time, up, I'm like, I got it. When you go up on stage, <laughs> do, you, do you have like material that just murders with them? Yes and no. Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of. I do. I learned a valuable lesson. I did a. I did an. I, I did a USO tour in Iraq, and it was the first one I had ever done. And uh, I kind of. I did some of my uh, set from my club set, and I did it the first night we were in Kuwait. Just, we landed and we did a quick show, and I realized these people don't give a fuck about my luggage story or my you know the guy sitting next to me on the fucking plane what do they fucking care about so i started i real quick started making up material about their life and their world and it fucking killed like that's the shit they make it about know your audience john stewart told me that and i when i went over to do this iraq tour john stewart said i was like do you got any advice because he's one of the most amazing comedians uh and he's so well versed and he's been around and he goes, make it about them, man. He goes, make it about their world and their life. And I said, okay. And then, of course, I went and did my club act in Kuwait first night. Yeah. <laughs> Shows what a good listener I am. Uh, my Uber driver <laughs> was... Uh, yeah. So then I was like, I, I went back. because It went fine, but it, I didn't feel like it went as well as it should have. So I was like, <clears throat> so I thought about it. And I thought, well, what did fucking John say? He said, make it about them. So I started talking about their commanding officer. I started talking about their food. I started talking about the rules of engagement. I started talking about the, the, the bunkers they have set up. I started talking about the drones. I started, you know, I started making all these bits and all this stuff about that. And I'm telling you, man, every show after that was fucking killer. Just yeah. killer because it was their world and we were having fun. And I got to be their advocate. They can't say shit to their commanding officer, but oh, guess who sh- can? Oh, shut the this fuck. This fucking guy can't. Yeah. I can't. They can't bitch about the, the food, not to anybody, not to any of the brass. They can bitch to each other, but 
fucking I can't. You know, I get yeah. to be their advocate. So then I was starting to rock that shit, and it was it was a good time. That's awesome. You, you keep going back and doing those. I go back. I don't. I haven't been in a while. I think the last one I did was about two years ago. So I'm probably due. I'm probably due. But I do a lot done. of I do a lot of veterans events here in the united states I, I do stuff with team rubicon i do stuff with we are the mighty with warriors in quiet waters um with the simplify fund with the marine corps scholarship foundation so i'm i'm i do a bunch of stuff here in in the states yeah we're globally different i've <laughs> i've done one uso thing it was in pearl harbor yeah oh i did oh that's the last one i did with the rock we did his uh his pearl harbor show i did this was rock uh, the troops i think it was yeah this was way before that but uh, it was me and Segura and we got in trouble <laughs> and uh, the one thing they said is don't mention don't make fun of the Hawaiians and Segura's opening joke was man they say island life is slow I didn't know they were talking about their metabolisms <laughs> these Hawaiians oh, are fat as shit and, well there you go we're and, out of the gates hot yeah <laughs> but that's uh, that's really awesome I, I, I always wished I'd I, I, I guess you get into the USO stuff or not. I do. No, I, like I know. I mean, meaning, meaning like, like I, I don't. I never. No one's ever asked me, and so I just never volunteered. And right. And I was like, eh, I guess you know. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're rewarding tours. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I think it would be something. The, I the audiences are super appreciative. You know, the entire time I was in, I know I served in Liberia, I served in Albania, I served in Kosovo, I served in Afghanistan twice. I never got a. a never got a USO show as a troop, as a really? Marine. Never, never once. No matter where I was. Even on, even on stateside. Never, I never got a fucking USO show. That's one of the reasons I like to go back and do them. Yeah. Um, but they really appreciate it. I mean, you know, you can feel it. They're glad, yeah. they're glad to see you. And they're, and they're glad to see you. You came all the way overseas to see them. I would do one. I just, no, yeah, I never got, I did Folds of Honor. I did. Oh, that's nice. I did a show for them and they gave me this really great backpack. That's awesome. That I, that I, this is maybe the best backpack I've ever owned. <laughs> but it's got my name and like embroidered in the back with like, like I'm somebody. Yeah. I'm not. No, you are. Yeah. No. You are. Um, so the podcast you do with Sarah is on podcast one. What's the name of it? Uh, it's uh, Riggle's Picks uh, with Sarah Tiana and Rob Riggle. That's great. And, uh, we uh, we shoot the shit about everything. We just fuck around. It's kind of a fuck around, but we do talk about sports and we talk about comedy and we talk about life. That's awesome. And yeah. whatever needs to be talked about, like if it's if if there's some major fucking headline, we're gonna talk about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, but otherwise, it's a lot of sports and a lot of us uh, cracking wise. Are you doing this Sunday? Are you doing uh, Fox Sports again? I will. That's yeah. great. Thanks, man. That's great. That's yeah. A, yeah, it's a good fit. Yeah, thanks. I, I like it. It did take me off the road, though. It, it made me stop doing stand-up. Really? Yeah. Well, who gives a shit? You're fucking with your family. <laughs> How many kids you have? That's it. I got two kids. and They're about to be grown now. And they're they're in the ages where they need me. Because you know what it's like when you're on the fucking road, man. It's You you leave on a Wednesday, so you can do Thursday through Sunday gigs. You get home. Your your weekends are Monday, Tuesday. You're, you're not in sync with your family. Yep. You, you get home. Your body clock is never synced up with theirs because you finish your last show at midnight and then you, you it takes two hours to come down off of that show which usually means six beers and then you know it's just fucking it's a hard grind man and it's it it ain't good for families I, I finished my show in Huntsville Alabama yesterday at uh, midnight I got in a car and drove I got driven I didn't drive I was drinking I got driven to Nashville for a 5am flight connected through Chicago landed here shot two episodes of my cooking show last night wrapped at 11 and came back got in my pool with a cigar and I was like I was like yeah this is definitely work like this is yeah didn't see my daughters at all 
Oh uh, my God, that's grinding, man. Yeah, and then I and I've got today. I'm doing another podcast. I have a show tonight at the El Cid. I have Wednesday off. I'm taking them to a Dodgers game, and then I go to Tempe this weekend. It's just the Dodger game game's going to be great. Dodger game's going to be. They're playing the awesome. Diamondbacks, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah, that's going to be a good six p.m. Game. show. Watch the sunset. Oh, see the hills. Yeah. Nice cold beer. Dodger dog. You're 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 making my mouth water. Yeah, it's America. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's so good, dude. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks I'm, for I'm, having me. I'm, 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 I, like I said, I'm being dead serious. I could have easily talked to you for another hour. You're, I could. You're a that. natural storyteller, like Thanks. natural. Yeah, and and, uh, and well, you make it easy. You make it easy and enjoyable to talk to, dude. Anytime, nice. anytime. If you ever have something to promote and you want to come on podcast and promote it, um, it's an open door. Thanks, man. And, and and if you ever have any of your, if you ever put in, in, together one of their benefits, or whatever, feel free to hit me up. I'll do it in a heartbeat. I pre- I appreciate that. Yeah. I will definitely keep you in mind, dude. I feel I feel like I should say it was an honor to meet you. <laughs> right back at you, man. Thank dude, you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. All right, bud. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.